You're listening to the Functional Nerds Podcast with your hosts, Patrick Hester and Tracy Townsend. Welcome back, friends. Please make sure your pod seat and tray table are in their upright and locked position. Pull out your Hugo Award nomination ballot and add the Functional Nerds podcast to your best fan cast selections. Once you have done this, the airlock will seal and life support systems will engage. We hope you enjoy and survive your trip to the Functional Nerdverse. <laughs> See, this is what happens when you charge Tracy $7 for a water bottle of water. It is, man. <laughs> I just I just lose it. And I'm like, oh, oh, basic life support function is going to be like that? So, <laughs> in case you're wondering under what absolute draconian circumstances some audacious collection of humans could have charged me seven dollars for a bottle of water we went to capricorn we did <laughs> and i should i should highlight that the seven dollar bottle of water is absolutely not the con com's fault nope nope not at hotel's all. gonna hotel yep. yep and so that that water bottle and i were close personal friends <laughs> and uh it was refilled many times at the expense of the hotel see i i got the bottle of water yeah. but i also got a gatorade and mm, so i ended up yeah. using the gatorade bottle for the water, for the refill. I had two fists in it. Yeah. Because yeah. they did have those little machines in the back of every room that they did, that did the yeah. water. And I do yeah. mean it was a machine. It's like you had to press a button. It looked like a box, mm-hmm. not yeah. like a water fountain. And you it had was to like press a gonk droid, but for water. Yeah. And you had to press the button. Yeah. And then I'm assuming somewhere out in the desert, the water reclamators kicked in. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and funneled that water into that machine. Yeah. The moisture farmers are working really hard, yep. you know weirdly dressed like jedi which i don't get like why why is he dressed the same way as as the jedi are on the council anyway that's, that's, a, that's a whole it's other just thing just the way it works so I, i'm curious though how was the seven dollar slice of pizza um <laughs> i mean mistakes were made by me in giving my credit card to the person who gave me the pizza but, but I think we, we're, we're really kind of leading with the wrong stuff here. I think we need to kind of lean into the fact that we really did have a good time at Capricorn. We it did. was the first time that we have been in, in meat space in the same zip code as one another. So that was fun. And we, we had that. It was it was exactly like uh, like a Dragon Ball Z sort of meeting here where he's standing on one end of a, of a very you know large chamber and I'm on the other end and he's looking at me and I'm looking at him and Patrick's like six foot fucking four and I'm, you know... A sneeze no, over five seven, <laughs> and so you know, I don't. I, I'm not saying that like if we threw down, there would have been a problem or anything, but there would have been a problem. So it's a good thing we like each other. You you had the Anilio reaction. It's like, oh, there he is across <laughs> the room. Yeah, I can see him across the room. <laughs> I mean, just look at, you're you're a gentleman who makes an impression. So <laughs> and the boots help. So <laughs> I mean, the boots do help. I I yeah. They, they, I mean, they help. So we had a chance to talk to lots of super cool people when we were at Capricorn. Like a lot, a lot. Like after I had to leave on, on Saturday night, you were busy. I did. A, I did a couple were, more. Just a couple. You were a Pokemaster, just yeah. grabbing even more folks. Yeah, I, and and I want to throw it out there. So we we had uh, we got to hang out with Cannoli Joe mm-hmm. and Mrs. Cannoli Joe. Indeed. Which was a thing Indeed. that was created while we were there, Mrs. Cannoli Joe. 
Well, no, no. Mrs. Cannoli Joe has existed yeah, yeah, for many years prior yeah. in in marital bliss and happiness. God bless the cannolis and and all their and all their kin. But really, the the moniker Mrs. Cannoli Joe, which I'm sure she's really grateful for. Correct. And I will not apologize for anything. <laughs> and we got to hang out with Todd and Jason. We did from the patrons. patron group. Yep. Yeah. So I do want to throw that out there. That was fun. And uh, got to go to Pan- Todd went to I think every one of your writer workshop things. And, and he was did. Doing the He's a real loyalist. Yeah, he was. He mm-hmm. he said he got a lot out of that. So uh, we we chatted a little bit. He that was his birthday weekend. Jason did some panels himself, and we were mm-hmm. able to go and see yep. those. My yep. time zone on my phone was just all messed up because I had I did the really clever thing of putting all the things that I wanted to see or do into my calendar, and then oh, when I like got to, and yeah, and then when yeah. I got to Chicago, uh, it kept everything in the Denver time zone. That's not helpful. So that was not helpful at all. But yes, and then there was a there was a lot of folks that we talked to. Uh, I, I so Lauren Jankowski, and then uh, oh my gosh, we had a run of two that were sharing a table in the deal. Yeah, room. Megan Mackey and yes. uh, KM Herkus. Yes. Uh huh. And I, I got to uh, see KM Herkus on a panel, and mm-hmm. th- that was a wonderful panel as well. Uh, so, and then who else did we talk to? Well, the, we did have, we had Mitchie Trotta. Yes. And, uh, we had, we had, we had Cannoli Joe and we had Todd. And Todd and together. We had, yeah. We did them and, together. Yeah. We had a twofer there. And then the next day I did mm-hmm. Gary K. Wolf and Jason Youngberg, Jason from our paper. Yeah. So yeah, we have, we have a lot of stuff for, for people to listen to here. Uh, it's been a really long time since I've done one of these. So apologies now for background noise. There's no way to do the these things live. Is, yeah. It's like it's like authenticity. It like is. think of this think of this as listening to a favorite band's live album. You know. <laughs> Just think of it like that. Yeah. So this was our this was our Capricorn 42 experience and we hope that you enjoy listening to these little best ofs kind of thing. So Tracy, we are at Capricorn. We are, and this is this is an entirely different format for functional nerds than at least any that I've ever done. I know yes. you've you've kind of dabbled in things like this in the past with Anilio. Yes. Well, actually, I did it all on my own. Oh, he okay. Rarely did anything. Okay. But we're gonna sit down with some people and talk. And one of them is Lauren. Lauren, why don't you tell people who you are and what you do? Hi, I'm Lauren Jankowski. I am an author. Um, I'm the author of the Shapeshifter Chronicle series. Which is, to put it briefly, it is four queer women saving the world, because who else is gonna? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I love magical queer women. I am a magical queer woman, so, you know, it involves shapeshifters, guardians, guardians like various gods from various mythologies, because I'm also a huge myth nerd. I know, queer girl, myth nerd. Never heard of it. But yeah, I'm also an asexual activist. I advocate for more asexual voices in the media we consume. I also, since the pandemic started, I've started to explore disability activism because I actually, I am a disabled woman. So yeah, I just, I do a bit of everything. And, and it's, it's shocking and surprising to me how much you like Loki. Oh God, yes, yes, <laughs> yes. I am also a cosplayer. I'm also a cosplayer, mostly Loki because like Loki, I am a dark haired queer adoptee screw up. So I mean, it was, it was fate. But I feel like, like, you know, spoiler alert, fandom here listening, uh, for those who may not have finished the Loki series or not know anything about it, but I feel like the the way that the Loki series jumped into the idea of variants of, oh, yeah. of himself and that there may not really be an Ur-Loki out there, that they are all 
equivalent Lokis, including Crokey and yes. you know, all of them. I gotta wonder, like, from, from your perspective, coming into that already sort of identifying with the character, like, what does that do to your relationship to Loki? The idea that that they're kind of tapping into the infinitude of Loki in that really overt way in the series. Well, I think one of the great things about Loki is, like, he isn't just one thing. I mean, and I think it's really cool that they show this in the variants, because the variants aren't just one thing. Even, yeah. uh, President Loki, who's arguably the most simplistic one. Yeah. There's more going on under there. Uh, and so what, what was really interesting to me was I started identifying, even though I still identify very, very, very strongly with Loki, I also really strongly identify with Sylvie. Yeah. Because I feel that kind of pain, trauma, kind of uh, turning into snark and hard edges. And I just, I, I love that character. I have a total queer girl crush on Sofia Martino. <laughs> oh my god. Um, she liked one of my cosplays and I lost my mind. Oh wow. <laughs> so yeah, I, I really love that they're exploring all the different aspects of his identity and how no matter what timeline he's in, he's a complex character. I mean, there's, and I think that really appeals to people because I think we're all very complex. We're not all just one thing. Nobody is just one thing. It's just, yeah, I, I yeah. just, you know, yeah. oh, I love the Loki show. <laughs> <laughs> well, they are doing season two. Yes! I'm and so I, happy. I think, didn't I see something that they were moving up the scheduling to try to get it earlier? I'm not sure. I know that um, I've read some things that they're going to start filming in the summer, yeah. and I just read today that, uh, oh, I'm going to screw up her name so bad. Gugu Mabatha... Ravona Renslayer, that yes. actress, is coming back. Okay. She's, yeah, which, like, oh, I, I loved her as a kind of, I don't know if she's a villain. I mean, I, <laughs> I, I know the end of the series, she, it but seemed the, like. The series but, itself is capitalizing on this idea that these characters contain multitudes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. I cannot wait to see her back again. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, gosh. So a minute ago, you mentioned Sofia Martino loving your cosplay and everything. And before we, we started like like recording and, and all of that sort of stuff, you were talking about other cons and things that you've been to mm -hmm. recently. How has your con-going experience been in these weird times so far? Weird. Very, <laughs> okay. very weird. Yeah. Okay. I, I was uh, talking to a friend that I feel, I feel really guilty because a lot of the bigger creators have the they can sit out on cons because yeah. they're getting income still. Yeah. So Nobody's going to forget they exist. Oh, yeah. You're never going to forget they exist. So I've been able to get into big shows that I've never been able to get into before. And I am almost pre-grieving losing that because I know that once those big creators come back, I'm not going to be able to get into like San Diego Comic-Con or Emerald City Comic-Con or... C2E2, even though, like, I, I love those shows so much, but, I mean, it's impossible to get an artist alley yeah. when you're a, a, a little creator. So, but I just, I have just had the time of my life tabling at, at like, my dream shows, even though the uh, capacity is reduced. Yeah. It, it's been great, just, just, oh, God, I, Emerald City in particular was a great experience. San Diego Comic-Con, so my neighbors in the, the, row that I was in, they left early, so I basically just took over their table. <laughs> so I wound up with, um, at the end, well, for most of the con, I had three tables, but at, uh, well, no, no, no. Saturday, or Friday to Saturday, I had 
Friday I had two tables, Saturday I had three tables, and at the end of the con I had four tables, and there's just a picture of me like, look at me! This is like con, this is like con going by way of manifest destiny. Really. Okay, like, yeah. yeah. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, because when my neighbors were leaving, they're like, hey, we're going to take off early. I was like, can I have your table? They're like, do you need our table? No. I just want it. And they're like, yeah, go. Do you, do you feel with the lower capacity that it, it provides a better opportunity to connect with people? Yes, it definitely does. And that's what I heard a lot at San Diego uh, Special Edition was people commenting that it felt like it, it did in the early years before it became like very corporate. And I, I, I'm not against, you know, the big cons and the big movies having a splash and everything like that. But I know that um, listening to the audience or the attendees, they were saying it was really nice to be able to like walk around the con hall and be able to move without being, you know, smashed in between yep. everybody and being able to, to see people they hadn't seen in years. So, I mean, it was, it was a really strange atmosphere, but it wasn't necessarily a bad one. It was just, it was really incredible. And it was the first time I'd ever, I ever sold out of books. Like they bought all my books. I was like, I, I don't know what to do. Like, guess I'll just sit with my feet up now. But, but that's awesome. Oh, God, it was amazing. Wow. wow. Can you imagine selling out books? I mean, <laughs> I, 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 mean I, I brought some with me, and after a workshop I taught, I, I, sold, I sold four, so that wasn't bad. Yeah, but that's, it's not out. It's not, that's not out. It's, no. I sold two e-books yesterday. Nice. So I'll take it. Yeah. Because I can't remember the last time I sold two e-books. Well, that's the thing. I always say, like, because I'm not a barker, people think you need to do a hard sell at cons where you need to be, like, really, really loud and you need yeah. to, like, you know, force people to look at your books. But I've noticed because I'm quieter, mm -hmm. whenever I have uh, a con, I see a small uptick in my yeah. e-books. Yeah. Because, yeah, there are some people that don't want a physical book because physical books take up space, but they'll buy your e-book if you don't tell them or if you don't, like, force yeah. them to come yeah, to your yeah. table. Right. So, okay, I got it. I want to sort of have a, I want to be immersed in the experience, you know, I'm an experiential learner, all that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. So we're going to, we're, we're going to be interviewing lots of people here at Capricorn and sort of bringing you, bringing you, the listeners, lots of different experiences. As we wrap up here with Lauren, pitch me, I have walked by your table, I'm standing there, I'm touching your stuff, and you're like, hey. Hey, sexy. <laughs> so, I mean, that's a move, and also, thank you. You're um, welcome. So, yeah. So, okay, so, like, I'm, I'm handling book one okay. of, your, of your books, and I'm like, so, what's this about? So, it's about a woman named Isis who stumbles on an ancient mystery when she photographs a murder scene, and the next day, all evidence of the murder is vanished, including the body from her pictures, and Isis being the stubborn individual that she is, she can't let this go, so she starts investigating, and in the course of her investigation, she finds out she's not human like she always assumed. She is part shapeshifter, part guardian. Guardians are kind of like various gods from various mythologies, because I'm a huge myth nerd. And the series is her and three other women kicking ass, taking names, trying to figure out what's going on, what's happening, why it's happening, how they can stop it, that sort of thing. Come get your better Buffy. <laughs> All right. Lauren, it was so awesome to talk with you. Thanks for being with us. Yes, thank you. I, I really enjoyed this. <laughs> Thanks. So, Tracy, we're here at Capricorn. This is a uh, second interview. It is. Part two, the sequel with <laughs> vengeance, other colons, and subtitles as well. Judgment Day. Yes. Yes, yes. Oh, you're very good at the titles, Thank too. Thank you. So, the voice that you're hearing right there is Megan Mackey. For, for what we've been trying to put, the, we're going to make a narrative here, right? Yes. 
So we had Lauren on because you and Lauren have known known each other for a while. And we're having Megan on because Megan and I keep ending up in each other's orbit over the years in the Chicago Mm -hmm. area through uh, WindyCon and Capricon and the Isfic Writers Contest where I've bootstrapped her into being a judge for me a couple of times. (laughs) It's been good fun. Yeah, yeah. And and so here you are rocking the dealer's room table, which is absolutely peak you. So all right. The listeners might not have heard of you, which is terrible, so let's fix that. Okay. Yeah, my name is Megan Mackey. My first claim to fame is that I am the author of the Lucky Devil series. To give you the quick pitch, it is about it takes place in an alternate Chicago where magic and technology are in competition with each other. We follow Rune Levu. She has a magical talent for finding things. She meets a cybernetically altered corporate spy who wants her to help him find a wanted criminal called Anna Masterson. The problem is, is that she is Anna Masterson. <laughs> so this is really, if you grew up in the 90s, like moi, doing things like playing Shadowrun and whatnot, yeah, yeah Megan, I, I Megan's Lucky Devil series is very much up your alley. Yes, very yeah. much so. It's sort of a world where magic has always existed. It's out in the open. They're as normal as can be. It's technology that's catching up to what magic can do, which is how we got advancement and is now starting to surpass it. And you say it's set in Chicago? It's set into an alternate Chicago. I was gonna say, so how different is Chicago in the? Well, other than the ma- like the the centaur yeah, yeah, yeah. lawyer and the mermaid dog groomer and stuff like that. Um, I have the landmarks are the same. I have like there's like variations, so it feels like I'm in a you're in a parallel universe where this just happens to be true. Like the Chicago fire still happened. And, yeah. You know, some some things are normal in that way, but like the alderman system is like the cyberpunk part of it, where the alderman system is a little bit more corporate. Yeah. And it's all about like your vote comes from what corporation you belong to, and if you don't belong to a corporation, you don't really have a vote. Yeah. Unless you're part of the magic guild, which is the old guard of how that used to work, and they get their votes, but they're getting marginalized out as corporations are pushing their candidates. So, so in your alternate Chicago, did mm-hmm. Ted people vote for Mayor Daly, like in? real oh um <laughs> i mean sorry i'm going, I'm going in my alternate world there was no daily <laughs> daily was not even a thing but i think you know chicago makes a great backdrop for a story because of its actual real history which you know mm-hmm. it's kind of yeah. where you're coming from there patrick with the idea of like it was a sort of like the a, a chicago political machine the idea of the the yeah. work of the mafia and al capone's machine yeah the kind of complex interdimensional politics of like of neighborhoods, like neighborhoods yeah. as sub-cities and on themselves. All onto themselves, yeah. Which, you know, is kind of being mapped onto this idea of, like, corporations as being... Their this, own insular villages yeah, that way, too. Yeah, yeah and yeah. so I think that there's a lot of ways that the reality of Chicago can, like, map into this alternative reality. Yeah. It's really fun and exciting. When, when I was initially doing the concept for it, I actually divided Chicago into four separate cities and was calling them the Quad Cities. But then that <laughs> became too kind of cumbersome to, de- to, to yeah, figure yeah. out. But I had, like... I had the Windy City section. I had Chi Town on the south side. Mm. I had, I can't remember what I said for the for the west in the loop in the center. Yeah, and they were all yeah. separate cities with their own identities and everything. But it, mm-hmm. it did become like too much to explain when I had so much <laughs> other alternate stuff to explain. So that I, I cut it way back to just it's just Chicago, well, and the villages are the, like the neighborhoods are the same and yeah. And, and all the that. Lucky Devil series is up to like five books now isn't it it is a f- it has three of the main series and then i have a spin-off book that i wrote because i just had a character i was just like i'm not done with you i'm going to do this to get you out of my head yeah and then it was enough of a book i was like i, I published you 
And then I started a splinter series because I follow another another cybernetic character that it was too badass to just leave there. Yeah, yeah. So she's got, I've got, I just finished the second book of her series. Mm -hmm. And now I'm going back to writing the fourth book of that main series. So the answer is yes. Yeah. (laughs) Sort of. Complicated yes. Yes. I have plans for six of the main series and that will be the completion of that arc. Yeah. If I write more, it'll I'll have to start a whole new arc, but that's where my plan goes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, in other words, if you're saying to yourself, wow, this sounds too complicated for, for Rebecca to have pulled off in one book, she's got you. Yes, yes. you are correct. <laughs> it was an elaborate world, and I had too many ideas. It actually started out as it was just going to be the one book, and then it was going to be three books. Yeah. And now it's out to six because I keep pushing back. This whole thing started from a really, really great scene that I thought up that I needed to justify getting there yeah. for it to happen. Yeah. And every book, that scene gets pushed back a little bit further. Yeah. So at this time, I'm hoping it'll stay within six books. But hey, mm-hmm. I've surprised myself. So For sure. Yeah, for yeah. Sure. There's a big secret that I keep trying to get to. Okay, well, we, we will definitely not spoil it here yes. on, on the podcast. I've done so at good all. at that. Oh, so I'm going to spoil it. So, so basically the main character wakes up and Harry Dresden is in the shower and it was all a dream. And it was all a dream the whole time, yeah. Ooh. Little did we know. Too much Dallas? Yeah. Yeah. A little bit too much. So we, we have been asking about your con experience. Yeah. So, like, is this your first in-person con since the, the no. COVID times? No, 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 no. no. I went to, I think, eight cons last year across the country. Oh, wow. I sold out at every one of those cons because anybody who's going to a con right now post-COVID is on turbo fuel. Mm -hmm. People are so hungry for content and so tired of being stuck where they are and so missing what we used to have that I've I've been selling like crazy and traveling across the country. Yeah. That's going to change now because I'm, I'm shifting directions in my career, but... Yeah, I've been doing, I had to compress an entire year of cons into a three month span. And I hope to never do that again. As much as I love going to cons, that was hard. Yeah. Yeah, really especially is. one of those was Dragon Con. And oh, then it went well, right no to Connecticut. Yeah, yeah. It was, that was a big mistake on my part. I now know better and wondered if I was going to know better when I entered that situation and then realized, mm-hmm. no, I was right and I shouldn't have done this. Uh, uh. But I, I was thrilled. I did really, really well and everything. But I, the toll on me was hard. Yeah, it was definitely hard yeah. on my and my kids. My kids were not happy with me mm. being gone that long. But no, that is super tough. Yeah. So to to change to something sort of more cheerful, which I also think is like signature Megan here. Of course, we're an audio podcast, so folks don't have the benefit of seeing where we are and all that sort of stuff. So you you can't see Megan's hat. Oh. Um, and, and Megan, in addition to being a good enough hand seller of books that she's literally written a book on hand selling books, has the signature hat. And in fact, you've even been on a panel before with uh, Neil Letherland and some other folks. Yeah. And I think one of the next people that we'll be talking to, Karen, was with it too, because yeah. she has fantastically dyed hair, yes. talking about the hat as marketing. So yeah. I... I I want it. Okay, let's do it. The branding of the hat, yes. Um, And that was funny, too, because that was on on that panel. You were the only one without the hat. Everybody else had a distinct hat of some sort. Yeah, yeah. And you were the hatless one. I was the hatless one. You were the hatless one. Yeah, this hat was one of the best impulse purchases of my life. Uh, it was at um, Bristol Renaissance Fair, and I went to the the hat place that's way by the back by the jousting field. To give you a visual, think short top hat, slightly battered steampunk look. 
sort of crushed red velvet mm-hmm. band with a with a bow. Patrick's getting a picture that will go up on yep. the website. Yeah. So there you go, and we've got a yeah, we got a leaf sort of a leather yeah, feather, yeah, a leather feather coming off the back, and yeah. it's a, it's a whole it's a look, it's a whole thing. Yeah, I, it, this is a I, I suppose it's a unique hat because the guy who makes these hats told me when I bought it that he was never making this hat again because it was a pain in the ass <laughs> to make. It's it's a modified cavalier hat, is what he said it was. Okay, I don't know what that means, but that sounds cool. Well, I know that the cavalier hats they have there, the height of the hat is half this. Oh, okay. And it's got a little more swoop, but you ca- it's called a modified because it's more like a top hat here. Mm. But the way the, the brim works is more like a cavalier. And he says there's something about this that makes it so difficult to make it and make it do what he wants without tearing it. Oh. So he, and, and I, I can see where the stress point is because I know like eventually I'll have to have this repaired because yeah. I can feel it getting yeah. thinner right there. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so it's re- uniquely my hat. Nobody else, I believe, has this hat. Yeah. So, and I didn't start out when I was doing cons, I didn't start out wearing the hat, but there was Nectic, no, County Con? It's a con that's gone now that it wasn't too far, it was like a Cook County Con of some mm-hmm. sort, not yeah. too far away, that died. But they were on Halloween weekend, and we yeah. were all supposed to dress up if we wanted to and give out candy at our, at our tables as a promo thing. And I wore the hat, and I wore like some fox ears and a foxtail, and I did this whole yeah. kind of Alice in Wonderland hybrid thingy. Sure. But I got so many compliments at the hat, I was like, what if I just wear the hat when I go to cons all the time? And so I just tried it out, and then it became how people recognized me. Yeah. I couldn't. I can't not wear the hat now when I go to do things professionally because people don't know who I am. You're stuck with the hat. I am stuck with the hat for the rest <laughs> of my life. I had a similar problem because yeah. I used to wear a cowboy hat. Oh, yeah. And the problem that I ran into, though, I would wear it because I'm in Denver, and when I go up in the mountains, I would want a hat on. Mm-hmm. But when I would go to cons, I roasted alive wearing that hat. Mm. It was so hot mm-hmm. all the time. Mm. So I stopped wearing it. So you stopped wearing but it, But people yeah. would go, where's the hat? What happened? Where's wearing the hat? It's like you cut a limb off. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. So I've had the branding. Dis- I've had the distinct experience of having a fan come find me at a con, get all excited and see me and everything. And then not even three hours later, I had gone up to my hotel room, took everything off, because again, it was like you, I was sweltering, and I just yeah. wanted to be da- off. Yeah, yeah. just turn I took off the hat the off and everything, and I go out and get on the elevator, and I get and I go down with her, and I'm like, oh, hi, and she, and she looks at me, and she's like, <laughs> and I was just like, oh my God, you're awful. Wow. So it was just, I, I was just like, what just happened there? Because I was with my husband. Wow. You, like, you found the real person. I found there. the real person wow. in the elevator. Oh, no. But when I didn't have the hat and I was nobody. Oh, wow. <laughs> the hat of fame plus one was not, <laughs> was, was not there to guard you against the scorn. Yes, yes. I do wonder if my charisma score goes down when I take it off. Oh, that's <laughs> a know. whole thing. I mean, yeah, yeah. That's the, the idea of, like, what is the stat block for any of us? Mm-hmm. Like, there's definitely, I think going to a con, there's got to be, like, conditions that you acquire, like, disabled or put like if the food if somebody doesn't oh, like, refrigerate like, the potato salad in the con suite you're, you're like minus two poisoned or something yeah and there's like an ambient uh boost to charisma and and like mental stats or something when you're at a con because definitely a penalty everybody wisdom feels for it. a lot of people penalty uh, against yeah, wisdom serious exactly wisdom penalty, the charisma goes up so if our if our listeners because they are good and sensible people want to find your works in the wild where should they look Definitely find me on Amazon. Yeah. Um, right now, I'm I'm working towards starting my own publishing company called Blue Phoenix Publishing, and this is a very recent decision. So I don't have my own store set up online yet, right, right. but uh, and that's going to take a, a couple of months, I think, mm-hmm. to do it correctly. Yeah. So I hope to have my own store, but c- 
currently I am I am at the mercy of the Zon. Yeah. The great and powerful Zon. So you can find me at Amazon.com. My, my name is Megan Mackey, so not Megan Merkel. No, nope, it's M A C K I E. Yep. And that's how you find me where my books are sold. Fantastic. Thanks, Megan. All right, thank you. So, Karen, what's your name? My name is Karen Morris Herkus. I write under K M Herkus because my first cover designer looked at my name and kind of cried at trying to put it all on the cover. So, there's a funny story in his original contract. Richard Dean Anderson, they had a clause in the contract that his name always had to appear the same size as the Stargate name. Huh. Oh, wow. So, however they made Stargate, however wide it was, his name also had to fit in the same space. He didn't even wow. know that. He didn't know that that was in his contract. It was something his agent did. So huh. that's why, and it always had to appear above the logo. Which is why so That's all why of the show all... always said Richard Dean Anderson, Stargate SG-1. Yeah, yeah, so we all remember his name. <laughs> yeah, I mean, sure. I mean, I, I confess freely that I don't actually remember the name of the guy who plays the Gowalu guy. So yeah. I guess maybe that's, but the name's MacGyver, man. Who's going to forget who MacGyver it's is? Honestly, yeah. yeah. So folks, you're hearing the voice of K.M. Herkes who is an author of speculative fiction here in the Chicago area, here at Capricorn with us. Yay. So, all right, imagine that I am walking through Artist Alley and the, the, the dealer's room, and I happen upon your table, and I pick up one of your books, and I'm like, hmm, what is this about? Now what happens? Well, then I uh, go into my ever-so-not-polished spiel about what my books are about, which is I have a finished series, which is, as I recently discovered, is basically leverage set in the future, but with a disabled Tony Stark-style mastermind. Okay. I, I'd been being told that by readers for about <laughs> five years, but I had never seen leverage. Okay. Finally well, so saw leverage, and I said... Way to stagger backwards into an avid fandom. Uh, exactly, yeah, backwards and unintentionally, but uh, that's that's the, the one series. And yeah. then... Uh, the other series is a set of two so far. Third one is in progress about a world where people develop superpowers as a midlife crisis. <laughs> so yes, 10% of the world's population at this point has superpowers, but you don't know whether you're going to roll into one until you hit 42, 43, 44, <laughs> and the government ships you off to quarantine camp until they find out whether you're gonna be able to talk to plants and you get to go home. Or if you're going to, like, explode in balls of radiation and kill everyone. And kill everyone, in which case they ship you off to the Marines to be trained in how to be destructive safely. Oh, good. Or destructive in ways that they find, you know, amicable. Amicable, yes. Yeah, yeah. So. Okay, well, not to, like, out the ages of anyone present, but I believe we are somewhere in the range of the, those of us at this table here, maybe somewhere in the relative vicinity of, of powers acquisitions in your universe. I think I'm, like, legally obliged to ask you both what power you would hope to... To manifest. I think that, that oh, that's how this works, right? I know what power I would want. Okay. What Tele power? Teleportation. Oh, yeah. Because it really doesn't matter what kind of teleport power you roll into. FedEx is going to be on your doorstep with a contract with lots of zeros after the after the annual salary because somebody somewhere always absolutely positively has to have it right now and will pay for the privilege. So they need teleporters. So that's that's it, 10 Somewhere between 7 and 14% is the level of population where you can't hide it. Yeah, yeah. Superheroes are in comic books. Superpowers are your neighbor down the block who floods everybody's basement every once in a while by accident. Mm. 
they're your cousin who nobody talks about anymore. It's, yeah. it's just part of the fabric of the society in my world. So I wouldn't want to be a teleporter because teleporters just have it made. It doesn't matter whether I can, oh, my power. What, what can I do? I can teleport things that are less than six inches and, and one pound in weight up to 500 miles. We'll find a use for that. So you wouldn't go with can teleport yourself. You would go with that, can teleport other things. I would be, it would be even cooler if I could teleport myself anywhere in the world. Yeah, yeah, okay. But it wouldn't matter which one I rolled into. As gotcha. long as I could teleport, I'm, I, my life's made. I, I, I've made it's a good argument. To make it's a good argument. See, yeah. it, I, I've had a long time to think about this. <laughs> you certainly have. You should. You would not believe no, the look I'm, I'm getting I'm, now, I'm listeners. actually, I'm being serious because mm -hmm. I've, you know, I've comic books yeah, for yeah. a long time. Believe it or not, super speed. Yeah, okay. I would want right. to be the Flash. Because Barry can do a lot. Barry Allen, mm -hmm. the Flash. I mean, he can do a lot. Mm -hmm. he, can do, he can do almost as much as everybody else, really. Yeah. Because yeah. he, he always does the speed properly focused equals power. Yep. Right? So yeah. It's physics. Yeah. So I think super speed. But it would have to be Barry Allen's brand, not, not Wally West. Okay. And the reason being, Wally West has to eat, like, the the Capricorn Hotel's worth of calories every day just to stay alive. Oh, yeah. That would get... Barry didn't get that. That'd take the fun out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, at least in the comics. Yeah, which is one of those wonderful things where everyone... Trying to trying to science superpowers. Yeah. That, that at some point or another, you hit a, a level that it just... It doesn't work right. Yeah. And, yeah. Wally, Wally can only go so long. He's got to constantly be eating lots of calories to keep himself going. Mm -hmm. Barry does too, but it's not the same. It's different. Yeah. So, so. anyway, speed. speed. Super speed. So I have an answer, which sounds like what happens when you combine both of those things and sort of put them in a pressure cooker for a while. I think I would go with the ability to stop time. Like, stop time for everything except myself. Because when you think about it, it creates some of the benefits of at least the perception of teleportation because if there's something going on and I want nothing to do with it I'll be like all you assholes freeze <laughs> and I'm just gonna like go over here and no I'm not gonna get where I'm going any faster but also I have two kids I teach about 95 students every semester I have my beloved husband I have two dogs a cat two guinea pigs a tank full of fish and a migraine literally right now so sometimes all I want is to be left the hell alone and also, I mean, at that point, you know, you're going to win every fight because you just start playing the game of, you know, pause them, go around, goose them in the pants, unpause them, jump around, the next thing that happens, so on and so on and so on. But you could do that as the Flash as well. He yeah, no, he I, that's he, why I'm he, saying it's sort yeah. of the, the pressure cooker he's, effect here. He, yeah. he has what he calls splash time. Oh, yeah. Where he's yeah. moving so fast that no one else... Everyone like, else is perceivably effectively frozen. Correct. Yeah. 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 But if you could actually freeze time, then you could just take a bubble bath have a glass of wine. Sure. If, like, if, I'm, if I'm like, mommy needs a moment here, then mommy can go have as many moments as she wants to, and no one has to feel inconvenienced by it. I can return in, the, in an eye blink later, like a heroine, and, and resume my activity. There we go. No one, this is a victimless crime, <laughs> like punching someone in the dark. So <laughs> Now, would you, would you want to be able to take someone into your frozen time moment with you or not? Oh wow! I mean, I guess that would it'd be handy. And leave them there. Oh, <laughs> it'd be handy if I could do that, certainly. But I, I, I'm wondering, like, who who meets the threshold there? 
I guess on certain days, my husband, I love you, baby. <laughs> but you know, there, I, I'm not gonna lie either. There's probably certain days where either one of us, if we had that ability, would happily use it to just a little bit of respite. But like, seriously, man, I'm just thinking about the last, yeah, like 19 months or so mm -hmm. that has been the pandemic. How many times, if I could have just turned the world off for a bit, mm -hmm. just taken off my mask and strolled around and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go back to all the rest of this noise again. I just want to take my cat with me. Oh yeah, so. I mean that'd be fun. Sure. Yeah. So I, I have to ask because Patrick's asked the last couple of times. How has your con going experience? Is this your first in-person con sort of back in action again, or? It's my second. Uh, okay. Windy yeah. Con was my first. Well, uh, third. Dep depends on where we're drawing the the timeline. I did Gen Con. Okay. Gen Con was my first, so gotcha. I went I went straight into go straight into the deep end of lots of people and spent a lot of was time that, in that my was the hot back summer. Yeah. Yeah, during hot uh, hot back September. Yes. It was it was actually mid September and the numbers were already starting to go up, but I'm mm -hmm. like I'm back, it's good. Yeah, yeah. Then WindyCon, mm -hmm. and now this. So. so, so. And how's the experience been? Fantastic. I mean, all three venues, uh, uh, but especially this, have been fantastic about mitigation, risk mitigation, mm -hmm. and diligence and, and, and commitment to safety. So, yeah. yeah. Um, and I especially do like the, uh, as panelists here, we get masks that have a, a clear portion so that, that folks who are in the room get a little bit better able to see speaking which is yeah kind of yeah. I was so. on a panel just now where we were talking about that because someone had one and someone else wanted one and someone in the back row said I appreciate it we can't see anyway right anyway. yeah yeah so, so. And, and then it was on another panel where a guy had it and he, he had it so low you could just see his chin the whole time yeah so I get the concept I don't think the execution is I think, I think for person-to-person -person interactions, like right now all of us are, are sitting around a round table and we're within three feet-ish or so of one another, but still masked. Mm -hmm. um, I think that kind of situation is what those masks are designed for, where if you're in a conversational space, you can lip read. Right. But I, I think in the context of a panel where the nearest front row of people are still 10 feet off, um, you know, you start... It's difficult. Yeah. yeah, it gets a little... So I think it's, it's one of those well-intended things that I think can't entirely carry off the the benefit Maybe, exactly yeah, it's, yeah. It's, i like the fact that they're making the step towards that direction yes i'd, I'd like yeah. to see the, yeah. the the mask the masks that are actually a clear sealed mask with a foam that but, was sort of i i took one out of politeness and i'm hanging on to it actually because my my mother-in-law is very very hard of hearing and so i was talking to my husband last night about i i don't think i'm going to use the open panel mask which I felt awful about because uh, my brother's blind. I have several deaf cousins. Like I, I try to be very conscious of, of yeah, the needs of, of people who need accommodations, but like things is bad, yo. <laughs> like Omicron is, is for real. I have a multitude of my students out ill who I'm teaching over Zoom right now. There's constantly kids disappearing out of my children's classes, et cetera, et cetera. Like I'm, I got this KN95 and it is staying on my face. Uh -huh basically forever or at least in terms of what the con wants and just the mm -hmm. the design of the open panel mask is conscientious 
in a certain frame of mind, but it's also clearly not fitted. As I say, it's not fitted for for general use. General use, yeah. 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 So we, I, I've kept. I admit, I have kept mine because I work at a public desk in a library. Sure. And I'm looking at it going. I can work this in with my, uh, I have a KF94 because it has a fancy nose piece in it, but yeah, it's yeah. the same, same, uh, same level of, of uh, virus blockage. Yeah, um, yeah. And it, it, I guess like, I can work this in so I can get that panel in there and I can mm -hmm. use that because I do face-to-face -face work in a library. Yeah, on a yeah. On regular basis, so. So that'll be good for that. On the subject of face-to-face -face work, Patrick and I need to run because we're about to do a panel. <laughs> That's exciting. We need to make sure that folks know about where to find your stuff, so, so tell them. I have a website, donrigger.com, because I'm Don Rigger Publishing. But I'm on Amazon, I'm in Barnes & Noble website. Mm -hmm. any, any website where books are sold, you can order my books. All right. Awesome, well thank you. Thank Thanks, you. Karen. Thanks for having me. It's terrible. <laughs> Do you want to take us in this time? Sure thing. So we're back at Capricorn. This is uh, for me day two, for you day three. Yep. So Patrick is really our Capricorn marathoner here. <laughs> um, I think at the end of this, he's going to get like hosed down and someone's going to give him a massage. It's going to be a whole thing, which is probably another reason why we're, we're all happy that this is an audio podcast. But getting, <laughs> getting back on track here, we got Mitchie Trota here with us. So for those of you who don't know Mitchie, Mitchie has a background that has touched SFF in like a thousand different ways. Number of years, how long was it? Five years with, with Uncanny as, uh, as managing editor? Yes, it was five years with Uncanny as managing editor and nonfiction. Yeah. Uh, managing editor and nonfiction editor. Yeah. And yeah. when we talked about who to get on the podcast, I made a list and I sent it to her, and you were on her list too. Oh, who we wanted so to kind of talk go. with. Yeah. So it there was like, go. oh, this works out really well. It's the Venn diagram of superior humans. <laughs> oh, I pre that, that's that's really sweet. I appreciate that. But since then, you've also been the editor for Sifwa's Bulletin. Yeah, I was I was the editor for Sifwa Publications. Yes. Edi sorry, editor in chief. Which includes the bulletin, but also yeah. other stuff. Yeah, other stuff. Yeah. Um, I was the first person of color to be yeah. Sifwa's editor in chief. I was in the role for about a year and a half, and I. Uh, between pandemic mm -hmm. and the full-time job that I had started literally the week that Chicago went into lockdown oh, no. for the pandemic, oh. ended up taking far more of my time and energy than I'd anticipated, and in a good way. Yeah. I think this is the first full-time job I've had where I actually feel really fulfilled and yeah. happy yeah. when I check in in the morning. Like, it still means so, I'm, stress I'm stressful as hell. So but, I, don't, I don't understand. I mean, the words you said are the correct words. I just don't understand them the put together. The fulfillment and full-time job. Yeah. yeah. That okay. just yeah. doesn't, I don't understand that. Well, I got very, I'm very lucky. One of my closest friends, Don Ziana Moon, who is the founder and producer of Rack's Geek, which is a local to Chicago belly dance and fire performance troupe that I'm part of which as you uh, may actually one of the fire spinners. Have seen listeners because of a dude wipes commercial. <laughs> oh god! <laughs> I can't believe we got paid to do that. That was amazing. Okay, so there's like I, I don't want to derail the very important. Oh no, you story can totally your, derail for, for dude wipes. Fulfillment <laughs> here, but I think we need to dwell for a moment on you being paid actual money, mm -hmm. legal tender to fire dance and fire spin 
in a Dude Wipes commercial. Yes. How did this happen? My friend was like, this is the most aggressively gendered product we've ever, like, seen. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is, that, you know, the, 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 the people filming the commercial are totally in on it. They're like, you know, they know. Yeah, they yeah, know. Yeah. And they're, they're just leaning right into it. it. It was weird how this came about because I've been in occupational therapy for my hands. Yeah. Uh, like, a lot of folks since the pandemic hit being on our keyboards a lot more. Also, frankly, I think a lot of the cooking and baking that, you know, that we all, we've ended up doing. The home. It's very physical. Yeah, so I ended up having an issue with my thumb where my right thumb, I can bend it backward now. Is, I could um, not bend it backward I, I, before. I am once again glad for you, listeners, that this is an audio only podcast, but please continue. <laughs> yeah, just being able to take my thumb and like bend it. So, yeah, but I, I, it's, it spreads a whole whole bunch of issues with like wrist and forearm just working at this is like long-term damage that was so uh, it just I think a lot of people are in this right now so I'm saying if you have the insurance and the ability to do so and you've got issues with your hands please go see a occupational therapist because this is you don't want you don't want this stuff to get worse but my occupational therapist usually sees like one or two clients at a time um, because a lot of the exercises are, she shows us what to do, and then you know we do it for with a timer set. And one of her other patients uh, was this very nice man. Ended up just getting into a conversation about action movies and Star Wars, you know, the yeah. usual nerd accompaniment stuff. And I mentioned that I was part of Rack's Geek and this troupe, and here's what we do. And he's like, oh, that's really cool. You know, he, he had dated somebody who was a fire spinner before, but it was one of those like, hey, you know, here's, here's a card with our information. We have some shows that hopefully when we're able to do in person again, yeah, you know, all of that stuff. We might need to pause for a moment to inform the listeners that uh, it's, of course, everything is Googleable, but <laughs> Rags Geek is a sort of geek performance cabaret mm-hmm. with belly dancing and fire spinning and cosplay. Mm-hmm. And it's, it think, think the term is problematic, but think essentially exotic dance meets nerddom. It's a lot of really skilled performers. Yeah, yeah. You know, we have our troop member, Kamra, yeah. is a transmasculine performer and he does like these amazing Final Fantasy and I forget the game that it's from but he does the pyramid head from one of the, like the horror video games. Oh, I don't I don't know that one either. I, like I'm pretty sure that might be a Resident Evil thing. Um, okay. I'm pretty is sure it it's Silent a Silent Hill. Silent he's done the Silent Hill nurse and okay. it is one of the scariest freakish <laughs> things I've ever seen in my life. But anyway, I had ended up giving my information to, you know, to this guy. And then when I went in for my next appointment, my occupational therapist was like, oh, can you write down your email and phone number again? Because so-and-so came back earlier today and he wanted me to let you know that the production company he works with wants to hire fire spinners <laughs> specific for this commercial thing that they're filming. I'm like, okay, this is the most like random thing ever, but sure. So yeah. I put, you know, put down the, Dawn handles all of the booking and the contracts and negotiations. She takes very, very good care of all of our performers. So, she, you know, he reached out to her, and the next thing you know, we're like, okay, so we're filming, we're, we're getting paid. There are four of us who are going to be fi- 
participating in this filming for the product and you know she's like so, dude wipes and I'm like wait <laughs> specifically dude wipes medicated and the whole concept is, is because they're medicated it wipes the it cools the burning and you, oh my god I can't you have to you have to see it it yeah, is it is I hilarious we'll, we'll, don't worry we'll link this in the show notes yeah uh, uh, just a just a, a slight connection is I remember before the pandemic stuff like mm -hmm. being in King Supers, which is a Kroger store in, in Denver, grocery store, and going down the aisle that has all the paper towels and everything, mm -hmm. and, and I saw the dude wipes, <laughs> and I remember going, what the hell is this? And I what? took a picture, and I put it on Facebook, and everybody laughed about Look, it. Look, your burning like, oh is my special, God. and they, yeah. your, your yeah. burning is different than apparently, apparently. my they, burning. They, they apparently, like, yeah, yeah they, they know exactly who they're marketing to. They're doing very well. Like, and I will say the, the entire experience was super professional and comfortable and friendly. There was not an iota of anyone asking us to do anything like weird or right. exploitive. The film crew took very good care of us. I have never been to a thing before where they're like, oh, we're buying everybody dinner. You know, put your orders in. We've got free hot coffee, you know, to take care of all of you because we were filming from 5 to 5 p.m. to midnight. Yeah. in a warehouse like in a warehouse yeah. it had like you know had it had that very it has this very industrial look yeah, yeah. it was also where we could do fire indoors safely <laughs> mm -hmm. because we had uh Lorca they are someone who we have worked with occasionally they're they do fire their specialty is fire breathing mm -hmm. so there was fire breathing uh Dawn has an umbrella with wicks at the end so she can twirl it around like oh my gosh. you know if you think about like somebody doing the dancing singing in the rain dance with the umbrella except the umbrella's on fire but more murder <laughs> <laughs> and it turned out that the main spokes guy that they actor that they had who's worked with this company for you know for quite some time he's a huge nerd he totally flipped out when Don and I mentioned we were going to be performing at Worldcon in DC <laughs> in a few weeks, and he had no idea that Worldcon was coming to Chicago. So yeah, now he's yeah. like super excited. He's apparently completed one indie horror film and is working on a script oh, wow. for another one. Really, really nice guy. But yeah, that's one of some of the weird things that you get get to do when you're fire spinning and belly dancing in cosplay apparently this was not a cosplay thing did it know everyone yeah. was wearing like pretty much no, like I've standard seen, I've seen like the yeah hence, hence the question yeah yeah <laughs> but i mean like that's it's it's great that i get to do fun stuff like that because my day job is i'm now the features editor for a new site called prism p-r-i-s-m yep yeah. prism and it is a news site led by black indigenous and people of color. Yeah. Our editor-in-chief is Ashton Lattimore, who I guess she had started in journalism, went into law for a while, yeah. and then is now uh, editor-in-chief. Editor so we're, we're actually, we are a news group that's a newsroom that's led by black women. Mm -hmm. Everything that we look at is through a lens of like racial justice, workers' rights, reproductive justice, environmental justice, and it's really fantastic getting to work in an environment where I don't have to explain <laughs> the experience of yeah. not being white, not being a cis man in the workplace, and yeah. the default is completely different. Mm -hmm. It's not like, and everyone is very open about talking about interrogating their own biases, and open to being checked if there's something in their, like a, 
framework or terminology they're using in their articles yeah. where it's like, yeah. oh, I didn't mean to do this. Let's let's switch it. Yeah. Let's let's switch the focus a little bit. And it's really great to work with people who understand that because narrative is such an important tool and a powerful tool for how we perceive the world and how we understand the events around us, that they don't dismiss genre fiction. They're yeah. actually set like Ashton is a big Buffy fan from back in the day. Yeah. You know, every time Joss Whedon shows up in, in the news, we're both like, oh, God, why? Yeah. It's <laughs> too much to interrogate. Just like, why? We literally interrogate things, and this is too much to interrogate. For, for, like, for years, I wore a shirt that was uh, uh, from PvP Online that said, Joss Whedon is my master. Yep, now. I remember that. Retired. Yeah. Like, I, it breaks my heart. It breaks my heart. It really does. It really does. does. But, I mean, like, you know, then we... but. It's great talking with people who are not only, you know, sharing marginalized backgrounds and understand these things, but in a lot of my workplaces, the attitude toward speculative fiction, toward geek and pop culture has been very touch and go. There's a lot of like, oh, it's nice that you're into that, but I don't see why it's that important. With the people I work with now, there's not even a question of it. It's like, oh no, this is really important. Like, we'd love to get more stories about workers' rights and unionization movements and how it how it's affecting people of color in yeah. the gaming industry. We'd love to talk more about the job pipeline that goes into the publishing industry and how that affects who's in power. Yeah. Because all of these things matter. So when we talk about gaming or horror stories or, you know, what we what we watch on television. Mm -hmm. I can have conversations with them where I can talk about genre stuff and how much I enjoy it, but also we can really dig in to looking at how the narratives that we see in our entertainment media mirror or influence how we, what we are seeing in, the, you know, in news coverage and how the news is being framed. Yeah. And also like looking at like, hey, you know, if people listen to uh, people of color, particularly black women, after Gamergate, before we had got, you know, like, which was years before we got to the 2016 election, yeah. the 2016 election could have been different. Yeah, I think there's, that that is like a whole episode right there, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Like, the, the, the ways in which there are these sort of, like, tendrils of how we respond or fail to respond mm -hmm. to things that are happening in pop culture and how that kind of implicitly or explicitly gives permission for those yeah. impacts to ripple outward in a, into other spaces. Hey, hey how, how are, are you? you? <laughs> we have, I, another, we have uh, a random special guest in our podcast. Hi. Uh, yeah, this, is, hi. this is Allie. She is, uh, sorry. They, oh, you guys are podcasting. No, we're podcasting. It's totally You're in a podcast fun. now. I'm so sorry. No, no, no it's okay. Like, I was going to ask programming is. So and then you have Allie's, to say who you are. Yeah. <laughs> Allie is absolutely somebody who you should actually talk to for the podcast. Thanks. That's nice we of you. We accidentally got a perfect gift. Yeah. Sorry about that. I'm so embarrassed. No, no, This is the fun part of doing this at a convention. Yeah, uh, I'm Ellie. Nice is? to meet you. Yeah, I need to like get a badge and. Yeah. So you're gonna go through that archway over there. Okay. You got to go left first to get a badge. Okay. And then once this you get your badge, you, know you can come back people. and there's a little, little room for uh, programming where they'll give you your scheduled stuff. Oh, cool. Okay. I'm here to see my friend. Do you know Lauren? Yeah, Lauren. I, I ran into yeah. Lauren downstairs. Yeah. Uh, the very bottom level is awesome. the yeah. room. I actually went down there first, and then yeah. I was like, oh. 
okay, this is different. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, this reminds me of my first convention oh. where, like, there were no signs and it was in a hotel and, like, yep, I really was... like it. <laughs> it's a good feeling. It's cozy. So, yeah, it's, cozy. It's, it's, a, it's nice to have the variety from cons like yeah. this to cons like C2E2. Like, 2021 <laughs> was the first year I had not gone to C2E2 in, I think, 13 years. Yeah. 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 yeah, but look, we, we will absolutely catch up. Yes. But yes. by the way, your hair color show. is rocking. I love finally it. Finally faded to the like neon color that I wanted. So thank yeah. you. And Lauren, um, Lauren is dressed as Sylvie today. Yes, I saw some previews on the internet, mm -hmm. so yep. I was like, it'll be easy to find her. Yeah. <laughs> it's really good to see you, Allie. Great to see you too. Enjoy your podcast. Thank, yes. thank you. Uh, do you mind if I give your contact information yeah. to Tracy? No, that's for... really nice. Yeah. Thank okay, you. sure. Yeah, you're Tracy. Yes. And I'm Patrick. Patrick, cool. Nice to meet you guys. Sure. I know awesome. Allie because of illustration that you've done for uh, for the Sun Brothers, for Wes Wesley Sun. They're also fantastic comics people you should talk to. Yeah. And just like you know, uh, you were on one of the panels that we did at Adler Planetarium, at Adler, correct? Yeah. yeah the about chic, which was yes. really cool. Um, yeah, thanks for getting me involved in that. Oh, absolutely. That I mean, I was talking about comics and illustration and, you know, fe yeah. and feminism and science. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah, it's the combination of all the best things. Cool. I'll cool. let you guys get back to podcasting. <laughs> all Sorry. Right. It's good to oh see you, God. Allie. All right. Bye. Good to Bye. See you. So, yeah, it is. Um, so, the work that I've been doing with PRISM mm -hmm. has been, it's been really fulfilling. But if you can imagine starting that job in March of 2020 uh, with the pandemic landing with the pandemic and then leading up to the election and then yeah. leading into the insurrection and working with a staff that is 99% black indigenous people of color we and just we just lost a news source that was yeah. like that we just lost they, the root. The root, yes. Yep. Because because they got bought. Oh, there's that whole thing with Gawker at. Not, yes. Is it, is, it Gaw is Gawker this? Yeah, kind of sort of, but it's not. It's not the original Gawker. It's like yeah, the new Gawker. Yeah, I, I forgot the name of the CEO, but yeah, because they just did. You know, they they've messed up the root. Yeah. Um, they, they're change, messing up the AV club. Can you change your language so it's yeah? The, and can you can you make this a list instead of this? And can you can yeah. you tone down the political? Can you be and nicer? They just killed it. Yep. Yeah, I mean, when you have all the original founders leaving, yep, and then you know, you, then you have the AV Club where they were trying, they were also trying pushing to get the same them all thing. To go to LA. Well, go to LA, but they're also trying to do the same thing where they're trying to change the tone of the AV Club and a lot of the very like useful critical work that uh, they have, you know, that they were fighting to do for years. Yeah. So, n getting to work in a newsroom where, on the one hand, it's like yes, everybody understands, but that also means that we are all tired yeah. and emotionally fried, mentally yeah. fried. I mean, I can't, like, I don't have kids. I can't imagine what it's like for the co for my coworkers who also have families that they're trying to manage, multi-generational households. Yeah. It, and it just got to this point where I was having to, you know, I just could not handle the full-time job and also the, very, um, the various duties for SIFWA and it is like it's it's a lot yeah. it's a lot to do and nobody saw covid coming i'm really disappointed i couldn't stay longer yeah. uh, i'm really proud of the things that i did while i was there um but now like now that i feel like i've gotten a little bit more balance after yeah. the last two years coming back to conventions being able to like pick things up a little bit yeah. um, i've started working on a nonfiction book um, about 
understanding uh, Asian American identity on both personal and political levels through and, and like how it's uh, through how it's represented in media, oh, okay. both news media and entertainment media. Yeah. So getting to do that, and then once we had that brief window where it was okay to do indoors things yeah, and performances, yeah, we were able to do, we were able to get Rack Geek going again. We do we canceled the January show because Omicron. We'd also canceled like any of the New Year stuff that folks had been planning, but we do have a show coming up on February 11 that is for Rack's Inferno, which is the non-geek. Thing. It's actually sold out. Wow. This is the first time this has ever happened. We're like, but we're in the middle of the pandemic. I guess yeah. people, we're mask required, vaccinate, up to date vaccinations. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, yeah. yeah. So it's not just a va- not just a vaccination card. You have to be up to date on your vaccinations. And generally, I feel like we're very lucky that the crowd that has come to Geek performances have been really supportive of that. They've been absolutely into it. it, It's not usually, it's not typical for us to talk to people who are live performers as part of what we do. And so kind of getting the the look at how, we talked to plenty of people about how was your book release affected or how how was your writing process been affected, but very few people for sort of how is your experience of sort of being sequestered away from performing and now returning to it. I, I would. Uh, I think you'd have a great time talking to Don about what Rack Skeek had to do for the last like year and a half yeah. when performances were not, because there was a quick pivot mm-hmm. to doing virtual shows, which meant that cast members were usually recording themselves um, either at home or you know some if there was like fire involved, maybe we tried to like pod together outside in the cold (laughs) and have somebody filming you know what we were doing but yeah Don really put a huge amount of work into getting us to pivot so that there was still some kind of income stream coming in because I have the luxury of not depending on Rack's Geek for income I'm not a full-time performer this is something I'm doing because I love the people I'm working with I love the art form and it is a privilege to get to perform with these folks in this kind of environment. But there are lots of people who are part of Rack's Geek for whom performance is their main source of income. And for performing artists, for any kind of artist who has depended on live in-person audiences, it's been really, really rough. It's been super, super rough. And the more niche that you get, like there's not just Rack's Geek. There's also there was uh, Infinity Acrobatica Circus, which is also a nerd themed performance troupe, but they do more circus stuff like Lyra hoop, yeah. silks, contortion. Yeah. You know, I know they were they've been kind of struggling, and just knowing that there is not as much support, like any kind of financial support. Mm-hmm. Performing artists can't apply for for unemployment. What I really loved seeing, particularly in the nerd community around Chicago, is how there have been people who just got, you know, just start, just got going, trying to put together fundraisers to support other artists. Um, Kedra Cheney, who is the founder of the Learned Fangirl, it's a a fandom and critical analysis site that has been up for over a decade. She applied for a whole bunch of grants and also did some fundraising and every quarter she is now put she takes applications for 
freelancers and culture writers in particular who have been out of work and need some financial assistance to help get them through the pandemic. And they're micro grants. They're like, you know, $1,000, $2,000. But it really makes a difference. And I know when Geek was doing things um, even before the pandemic, and we kept doing this even with the virtual shows, is that most of our shows will choose a local charity. Uh, We want to work with small charities because the amounts that we give are not huge, but they will go farther. Absorbed operating costs. Yeah, they will go farther with small with smaller organizations. We usually choose like LGBT friendly supportive groups, groups who are working with immigrant rights and things like that. And we will raise, we will donate a portion of proceeds from the show, and we will also ask folks like, hey, if you can if you can give more, you know, we're going to pass around we'll pass around the digital hat. Yeah. You know, and it's it's been, I really love how Chicago's communities in particular, I think, yeah. are really great about civ- um, civic engagement being a natural part of how they participate in fandom. Yeah. It's, it's not just I'm here to have fun and looking out for myself and meeting other people. It's also how can I use my you know the my networks and fandom my professional experience to help other people yes it's great i really really love it it's been super rough but seeing what people are seeing people pulling together and trying to help others as a way of coping with what we've been going through for the last several years the previous administration and then the pandemic and then all the stuff that we're going, you know, that we're dealing with now. I've, every time somebody says the word midterms, I just like start. Twi- <laughs> my, I feel like my eye is going to start some, twitching. There's some real we are Groot energy that's been oh, carrying yeah. folks through yeah. the recent times. It's real. It's really nice to see. Um, it also means that everybody's nerves are a lot more raw. So um, I try not to be as hair trigger in online conversations as I might have yeah. been previously, where it's just like. Mm, I don't trust that my radar is not set on hyper hyper response and it's yeah. just yeah yeah and I, I think there's a lot of things there I mean we kind of we kind of close up here I've been thinking a lot because for me this is my last day of, of Capricorn I'll be leaving this evening and um, it's been kind of a soft landing for me coming back into a con space mm-hmm. after having been away for a while because the attendance is a little bit more muted and the environment is, is a little different and a little more spacious than has been used in the past. And mm-hmm. she's had to put up with me. I mean, and, and you clear <laughs> rooms every time. So also you're generating stress, great, so thank you. But my, my point is, like, it's given me a lot of space to sort of think about what takes up energy, yes. you know, in fandom. You know, mm-hmm. and where where are you putting that energy? And mm-hmm. is the energy going into squee? I love this thing. Is this energy going into your opinions are wrong? Is this energy going into um, I I have made something and I want to share it with people? Has this energy gone into that is cool? This thing you have, show me all about it. And I think when we are at our best, it is more show me, share with me. Let's do the thing. Let's 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 do the joining together sort of thing and less of the your opinions are wrong or I yeah. I, I think that you are I think that you are judging me because you do not like the thing that I like and and all of that but and I, I think it's get, fed to some degree by that hair triggerness you're, you're getting a lot of people so this is my third con yeah third con of the, the COVID times, times. Yeah. <laughs> you're getting a lot of the, the people who do show up are the ones where this is their community this is this is their entire network and they have been cut off from them. 
yeah. for so long. So you have, I think kind of where you're going is you, you have a friendlier environment because people Possibly. are... People I think, are, and everybody's a little tender right now. Yeah. And, yeah. and I think it, my impression is that there is a, a broader awareness of that. I have been on plenty of otherwise lovely and well-run con panels where... There's that dude in the front who's got a well, actually everything, or oh no, there was a, there was a I, there was a dude at a panel here who was like that yeah. on a panel. I had yeah. one on a panel as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, you're, and I'm not saying they're not here, like, yeah. but so far I have not run into as much of that as in other spaces, and I may be inventing a narrative to match my experience here, but I I have a sense that folks are stepping a little bit more lightly, and I, I think I, I hope that if that is true, that it's it's something that sustains for people's benefit. I think that might be the experience that you're having. Yeah. Um, there is that is ver- fair. There is very much a, I mean, I, tr- I am trying to be more considered in, you know, in sort of like the kerfuffles that happen. Yeah. But I am gonna say that I do think that there is a difference between the your opinions are wrong and you don't like the fandom that I don't like so I'm going to take that as a personal attack. Right, right. There's a difference between that and the we need to have we need to have an uncomfortable critical discussion yeah. about why this thing is hurtful, why this thing is problematic. And the way that it tends to get pushed into a shouting match because this is a long much much larger conversation to have about how deeply tied a lot of our identity tends to be to the things that we like and how this is also a thing that capitalism has been deeply encouraging since they just, since uh, corporations realize there is money to be made in pop culture there's money to be made in this you know in gaming and fandom and all of that but those things i i really i would love for the environment to be, yeah, like a lot more like, hey, we're, we're, sque- we're spending more time squeeing together, we're spending more time collaborating and creating things or dismantling hurtful things and recreating yeah. something better. Yeah. But I absolutely think that, I, I hope that in our very well-intended and I think important efforts to be more aware of how tender everybody is, that that does not get turned into an excuse to avoid uncomfortable, necessary conversations. No, I think that's a great distinction. I'm glad that you're bringing that up because that wasn't really what I meant. I think more in the sense of there are, there are petty ways that we, that we make things uncomfortable and there are productive ways that mm-hmm. we make things uncomfortable. I have been fortunate enough over the last two days to, to not encounter the petty uncomfortableness. Yeah, so that's... Yeah. Yeah. See, there was a time when I wouldn't have pushed back because I just kind of let people... I, I didn't want to engage. And then yeah. I was on a panel with a dude wipe. I'm going to use that for... He, he, was, he was a dude <laughs> oh, wipe. Oh, the things that you people were actually really nice. <laughs> and, uh, and he was all... He was, he was just... It's this way. It's only this way. This is the only way. This is it. This is it. This yeah. is it. And I'm sitting there and I'm shaking my head and someone in the audience is going, I don't think Patrick agrees with you. I, I don't. I agree with Lauren. You know? Mm-hmm. And, and I just pushed back. And every time I pushed back, he got frustrated. And he, and, and, you know, you could just, and then he's slamming the table and he's very unhappy. And I just kept pushing back because I'm like, no. Yeah, we've all had that. Like, I, I would love for those experiences to be not the norm, 
Sure. But the outlier, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, it, and that's one of the things why I do think has gotten better mm-hmm. at convention, if we want to like end this on a positive note. I do think has gotten better mm-hmm. at conventions like Capricorn is that it's not that these these instances are never going, we don't want them to ever happen. Like, we don't. But yeah. they will because people are people. Yeah, we're gonna people. What matters is how the convention and the culture here at large reacts to those things. And that's where I've been seeing the improvement is that not only are there now tools and systems for people to report these, you report these instances, the convention will now follow through yeah. with those reports. I think there's more of an ownership within the community of people like, no, 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 she was talking, let her finish. Yeah, or, yeah. or, you know, the sort of like, wait, 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 wait. But if what you said is true, doesn't that mean that, and then, you know, dissecting the implications of, of mm-hmm. people's, you know, that we tend, we love grand assertions. We love, we love our sort of like high-minded theoretical ideals. And then we, we assert them into space sort of uncritically. And I think once the culture gets more comfortable with, with calling those moments out, mm-hmm. looking at them a little bit more carefully and saying, like, this isn't about you, this is about this idea. And yeah, and I think at this point, after with COVID, because, because we are all very, very tired, <laughs> <laughs> I think we have also just like, you know what? I could wait, like, I could let this pass, but no, I'm tired of it. Yeah. I'm just tired. Yeah. I am, t- like, I'm, I just turned 44 last weekend. I'm just like, you know what? I'm too old for this shit. Mm-hmm. I'm just got a lethal weapon it. Just nope, too old for this shit. I'm not gonna, I'm not letting it pass anymore. That's about where I am now, yeah. yeah. All right, so uh, on that note, apparently we are, we are all going to be uh, fighting various crime cartels, uh, dislocating our shoulders in order to escape from straitjackets and otherwise carrying out our action hero dreams. So uh, we'll have to catch up with the rest of Capricorn later. But before you go, I know yeah. you're trying to go, yeah. where can people find you online? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Like, okay. Social media, all that good stuff. Okay, so social media for my personal uh, social media, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at uh, Geek Melange. I will spell that out for you. So, you know, I'm sure you'll, you can put it in the show notes. And then I would also encourage people to check out Prism for the new site that I edit for. It's at prismreports.org. And then the Twitter and Insta, Facebook is all Prism Reports. And then Rax Geek, you can find us at raxgeek.com. And then on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram as Rax Geek. Very cool. Well, thank you for talking with us. Thank you so much for asking me. Right. (laughs) That's fine. We do this sort of thing all the time. We get ahead of ourselves in the green room. So, once again, uh, perhaps for the final time, or at least for me, it's the final time. We're back at Capricorn 42, and uh, I am tired, but not too tired to spend time with uh, one of our patrons, who is totally awesome to be here with us. And it's his birthday. We have Todd French, and we also have the man, the myth, the legend, Kenobi Joe. So... The myth. Yeah, well, I mean, I just... I wasn't gonna... I mean... The man, though, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah, okay, all right. So, so we're, we're not, to, not to put you in a box or anything. Okay. You, you, kinda... you know that, that Todd has suggested that we get Joe a shirt that says the original Cannoli Joe. I think this is a great idea. I mean, this, then, this thing right here, like, I, I, I know how to make a custom ink thing make happen. And then yeah. we should sell Cannoli Joe shirts and that he would buy one. 
So, fun fact. The, the way that the, I'm, I'm wearing a t-shirt themed to my series here that I had made, Custom Ink will do something where you can have a limited run of t-shirts made that have a certain design, and people, depending on how many people buy them, the price of the t-shirt goes down, so you can, you can set a certain goal. They won't run any of the t-shirts unless a certain number of buyers happen. Usually it has to have a threshold of at least 25. But they do a thing where all proceeds, if you want, go to a charity of your choice. So, so this right here, and everybody who bought it, this uh, benefits the ACLU. So. Okay. Oh, a real charity. I like thought a, I thought you were yeah, going to suggest that we start a charity. The Patrick Hester. <laughs> and then, and then we double dip because then we get yeah. profits and. I mean, I. No. The banking guy in this current arrangement is not me, so uh, I I will reserve comment about the legality <laughs> or feasibility of any of that. And, and, and if you need help, my wife is a CPA. Okay. So. She can tell you how wrong you are. <laughs> I'm just going to point out real quick that as a native Chicagoan, we, we're doing very unskillful crime at the moment. If, if like, we're literally recording it in a public space uh, for release to just we we do bad crime. That is the <laughs> functional nerds. <laughs> functional nerds tag. The functional nerds. We do bad crime. <laughs> Yet another T-shirt. Yeah. So, so Joe has been on the ConCom here. Like you, you've done stuff to help run this convention, Capricorn. This is your first Capricorn. Mm -hmm. This yeah. is your opportunity to bitch. Yeah. Okay. So, break complaint department. You know, other than the five dollar and seventy nine cent water, which they can't control. I know. My complaint has nothing to do with the con, yeah. but more to do with the, sure. the pricing of various and, things. And that was kind of my point. You, yeah. you, you told me that you've had a wonderful time. Oh yeah, I've had a blast. I, I, I always enjoy being in a place where I'm among other creators, of whatever stripe, kind, or variety, and being in panels where you know my writing gets kicked off by random sentences from somebody or somebody says hey write something like this and it boom takes off you know that that to me has been the best part of this nice so so what joe's hearing is you like the writer track absolutely i didn't really have time to engage in any of the really the fan side uh, we went to the dealer's room and checked things out, and, and we bid on some art. And, uh, and our stuff that we bid on is going to the auction, so, yeah, you know, done, done, done. <laughs> but, you know, yeah, it, it has just been a blast start to finish. Good. So, so we do have a feedback session tomorrow mm -hmm. after closing ceremonies, so you should okay. stay and attend that and let, it, let, let yourself be heard. Okay, will do. I got distracted by the shining light. This is, uh, for, for benefit of the listeners, second distraction. We're currently sitting in the lobby God. of the Grand Sheraton. And, uh, or Sheraton Grand, I don't know, whatever. It's Grand Sheraton. It's very grand. Much grand. It's a swanky well. place. It is yeah, swanky. I yeah, like it's it. Really nice. and, and, and I wish they had stuff. Like it's right food. on the bank of the Chicago River. And it being February, the Chicago River is about 70% icebergs right now. Yep. And earlier today, when uh, Mitchie Trotto was talking with us, one of the fire department boats was going through to break up the ice flows and things. And I got to say, I was I was struggling not to just sort of like plaster myself up against the window and be like, do the horn. And like, yeah, do the, yeah. They don't so, even have, I'm doing the trucker horn arm. They don't have that even. So. so you can imagine what was going through my head. 
<laughs> I was sitting there. I was sitting there like. No, just gripping the table. The whole thing. It's, it's not a great. We're an audio podcast. They don't know what's happening. Well, <laughs> <laughs> let me put in a plug for the entire concom for this. Sure. Yeah. Okay. You know, you mentioned that I've been working on it actually since the year you were here, seven or eight years ago. Yeah. Um, I got a small part. Right, my, my mine, mine isn't real big. I don't do what the other people here do, but the folks that have been working behind the scenes for the last several months and especially the last few weeks have to put this on. Have really been working their butts off. They, oh, should, I bet. they should get. They should get. Their, uh, I had a conversation earlier with, a, with someone named Sean Duke. He's not well known. <laughs> um, he's tried a lot, and he's doing for, for crimes. He he's been doing programming. He's tried for crimes. No, yeah. you're not. You're not going no, there. Okay, fine. But he you know, he he was helping with programming here, and so I told him that there was some really good programming. He's talking about starting a podcast, which would be cool. I think that'd be nice for him. <laughs> um, he seems like he's got the personality for that. You know, he's got a spark. Yeah. Yeah. So he yeah. he could be good at that. But yeah, I told him. I said I think the programming's been really really good. You know, I've enjoyed the stuff I've been on, and there was only one problem, and. Uh, Apparently that problem got reported and hasn't been seen since. So, cement shoes. <laughs> <laughs> we are in Chicago. Now we know why the fire department boat was going through the river. Yep. I have a narrative. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's your next novel. Yeah, there you go. But I, I mean, in all seriousness, there's if you're active on Twitter in speculative fiction communities and, and, and con communities and things. You may have seen links from different cons, Confusion, Capricorn recently, other ones. Not just encouraging people to attend, but encouraging people to donate. Yep. Because I, I think it's easily forgotten that amongst all the various sort of casualties of the last two years or so, many businesses, many jobs, many lines of work and stuff, local cons, which are entirely volunteer run and and have complex and deeply underfunded not-for-profit organizations tied to them and so on mm -hmm. they really need their cons to succeed for the organization to sustain and it's tough because to everything about everything about COVID makes running a con more complex and more expensive and makes it harder for people to attend and yep. so Numbers are down and costs are up and your ability to serve people is just fundamentally different and the environment's a little bit different. And so I think even if you haven't gone to a con recently, but there's one in your area that you care about and have been to, you should probably slide a few bucks their way because chances are good that if you don't, they may not be there the yeah. next time things come around to the season that you expect to see them. True. Because we joke about we joke about you know the restaurants being closed and the six dollar bottles of water. It's not easy on the con either. You know yeah. everything has gone up. And I I don't know this for sure, but I'd be willing to bet that the hotels want more money as a deposit, right, to cover things. And who knows what you're going to get back. So yeah. I think I think it's totally worthwhile. Todd, did you have a favorite moment at the con? They were all so absolutely mind-bogglingly good. I think the surprise thing for me is I went to the Spider-Man panel. I'm not a huge Spider-Man guy, but I've read Spider-Man my whole life. Sure. And I found myself connecting with 
almost everyone on the panel and the questions that were being asked were good. You know, and to find the person sitting in front of me had the same experience that it was their kids that brought them into into the Spider-Verse and wasn't necessarily them driving into that. So for me, that was the surprising moment of the convention. That and I, I just can't even express, you know, the, the feeling of camaraderie and being in community and being, you know, with other people like that. It's just just was really fun. Yeah. And, and that's awesome and it makes me feel like shit because I was trying to get a compliment out of you. But whatever. Oh, oh I'm so, so sorry. So. Patrick Louise. How dare it goes without saying that being you know getting being able to meet both Patrick and Tracy for the first time has been an impressive thing. It lives up to the expectations. Yes, of course. Are you happy now, Patrick? Of course. <laughs> I want everybody to laugh. That's, that's what I go for. <laughs> I even I even said something to Joe earlier. I'm like, oh, I'm yeah, just trying to get that Patrick Louise out of Tracy. <laughs> I haven't got it yet. He's like, well, you got close with like Hester Louise or something. Yeah, no, <laughs> it was meant to be Patrick Louise, but I was just at that moment so fucking fed up. He's talking about dinner last night, dear listeners. Um, but uh, I, I have learned, as I would not otherwise have known, never having actually been in the same zip code as, as Patrick prior to this weekend and now, you know, being in proximity to him for like 48 hours, you don't want to wait his table. <laughs> you just, you just don't. Um, like, I hope you mad tip, bro. I did. Okay, good. Why do you think she came up to me afterwards and she said, oh my God, thank you. She was um, like this. She's like, thank you. Oh. I did a mad tip. Okay. All right. Uh, All right. Okay. If you say so. <laughs> now, what was funny it's, is it's possible that Cannoli Joe uh, and and Mrs. Cannoli were were having uh, dinner with us as well, and we may have witnesses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but <laughs> Mrs. Cannoli, I'll let her know. <laughs> <laughs> What's funny is we're walking in the snow over there, and Tracy and Mrs. Cannoli are are up ahead. Yeah, and Joe and I are walking, and uh, he's like, "Well, you know, this is, this was on the list of places. It's supposed to be a good place." I said, yeah, and I'm glad we're going tonight because it said they were closed on Friday. And he, he takes a couple steps and he goes, this is Friday. <laughs> yeah, he got me. He did. He did. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He did. Well, I, was, I was really impressed with the trip, being able to get out of Ohio before yeah. it completely went to hell. Apparently, you're the only ones that did. Everybody else from Ohio got stuck. They're I actually all dead now. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. My kids or someone impersonating them says they're okay. Okay, that's so, good. Yeah. You know. I got a proof of life picture of my cat, so. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but they're not in Ohio. The I cat's know. in Ohio. I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> You're in the presence. You're in the presence. So that's, I, I, I know where I was going to go. It was nice to get to try the pizza that my friends who come to Chicago off and on several times a year rate. Which ones did you try? I only got to try Lou Malnati's so far. Yeah. But we're going to try and get uh, a different one, I think, tomorrow. And, in the and did you do deep? I'm a Gino's East girl, but Lou Malnati's is extremely competitive. Did you do deep or thin? I did the deep. I okay. did the, it said traditional Chicago-style pizza, which is yeah. really what I was aiming for. Yeah, and, you know, shoving sausage into that, just, you know, it's right. 
That's what my wife and I had for dinner tonight was Lil' Alamani Steve Dish. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. And yeah, I'm a Gino's person too. As yeah. we, as you, I think I told you last night. Yeah, yeah, we were talking about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. yeah so. Well, I did check the map. There's no Domino's nearby. So. But they can get here within a half an hour. They can, they can. But, but can Domino's deliver a, a pizza to you that's been cooked in a, in a container that looks like it's existed since the Iron Age and may in fact have been excavated from, from like the same sites as some of the early Saxons dwelled in? I mean, it's, I, mean I, I, I really, I, I don't side with um, John Stewart and the Pizza Wars, you know, and his, his infamous hatred of Chicago-style pizza, but he's not wrong when he describes it as a hot tub full of marinara. Um, I, don't, I view this as a virtue, and I, you know, go ahead and have your friggin' origami pizza. I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's very tasty. I mean, I'm, I'm down for pretty much any type of pizza. Like, we've had this discussion before, pizza and ice cream, and because you're the worst, um, <laughs> things escalated from there. But yeah. Yeah. Was that the mustard uh, yep. ice cream? Yep. It was. Mustard flavored ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> There's a reason why I forgot that. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Well, you, you're, I think you're supposed to use it on your hot dogs in Chicago. Oh but not, but no you ketchup. You can't, you can't use can't the ketchup. ketchup. No, you can't. No, no, no. No, no, no. no, no. no ketchup on hot dogs. Oh. I actually remember the, the moment when my mother said I could no longer have ketchup on hot dogs. Oh, it was like a rite of passage. It was. It was Did like, you have to go into the woods and kill your own hot dog first? No. <laughs> it was at it was at a school carnival yeah. of all things. Because oh. the Catholic schools always have the carnival to raise oh, money. Oh, you're a man grown now. Patrick. Yeah, and so it's like we're at the carnival and I'm like, Mom, I want a hot dog. She's like, okay. And she gives me mustard. And I'm like, no, I want ketchup. She's like, no, you don't put ketchup on hot dogs anymore. Anymore? <laughs> and I'm like, really? She says, yeah. It, you're not supposed to do it anyway. She says, I've let you do it too long. Fuck up, buttercup. Yeah, and so it's like, okay. And so I start putting mustard on there. You know, oh, yeah. It was a deal. It was a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to think, you know, every now and again, in the context of having kids, and I, I believe all, all of us here, have, you have, have been, we have been someone's kid, and, and the three of us anyway have, have kids. I think to myself, forward Thanks in the for future. Thanks for pointing that out. I appreciate that. I mean, you, you have Shadow. Yeah, uh -huh, and yeah. He's, uh -huh. um, yeah, you can't back You, 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 can't back you have guitars. Uh -huh. They're, um, They're children. You, you have me. Um, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna keep going with this until it's, it's getting worse. I'm, I'm dug well below the floor level now. Um, just not biggie. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, thank you, Todd. That's good advice. Every now and again, I think about like in the future, what stories about my weird ass parenting will my children tell to some random friends? And I don't have a good read on what they're going to be, but I would like to be a fly on the wall for those moments. There was this one time that the tooth fairy left me a $50 bill. And I knew my wait, mom had screwed up. Was that a patron up. episode or was that a patron chat or where did that come know. from? Because we might need to contextualize that. And the oh, weird okay. thing about this story is I identified with her telling of this story because my daughter was given this pop-up Disney tent mm -hmm. 
and she insisted for like five, ten years to have this <laughs> on her bed, which made it extremely difficult to get the teeth out from under her pillow. Yep. So it was just like the thing that, uh, that Tracy had to do, I had to do for the exact same reason. Here's how we know whether it was a patrons only or if it made it into the feed. Joe, do you know what we're talking about? Haven't a clue. So okay, it was a patrons so only. Okay, so context here. Um, <laughs> Which means you just outed me as not being a patron. That's okay. There we go. That's fine. That's I know, fine. I'm just, um, that's fine. Yeah, you know, yeah. those of you who download the episode and may later comment on social media, you can direct your comments to at Joe. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, so the context on this is in one of our, I think actually it was in a patron hangout, not in a patron only episode. It may have been. Um, I copped to a, a great bungling in um, parenting, and this was, gosh, like end of summer or so this past year. Basically, Deirdre had lost a tooth and, you know, was ready for the ritual of, of tooth being converted to money to occur. Okay. So she climbed up into bed and went to went to to put it underneath her pillow and I didn't want her to because she has this like sort of half circle tent thing on top of a loft bed so I already have to like climb up a ladder to get there and sometimes that stealthily <laughs> the fact that she sleeps with her head and completely under the tent is just a no-go so I came up with some kind of excuse for why it was important that she not like put it under her pillow that she needed to to not and so anyway it was packaged up and left at the foot of the bed I waited the requisite period of time until she was soundly asleep, snuck into her room. I was pretty tired myself. In fact, for the record, I had gone to sleep, set an alarm, and woke up. It was like one in the morning. So I'm gone. I go sneak in there, I get the I get the little tooth in its little like sleeve of Kleenex, and I go down to the, the junk drawer we have that has a little little envelope of money. And I'm like, okay, I want to give her a buck because this is like one of her very last baby teeth. And so that seems like plain. And so I'm looking for a $5 bill. We don't have any in there. And I was like, ugh, I don't want to give her a 10. That's like a lot. But I don't want to give her the one either. Fine, whatever. It's like one of her last baby teeth. I'll give her a 10. Inflation, right? So I grab a 10, wrap it up, put it in there, go upstairs, and, uh, and there we go. The next morning, I'm out front doing a yard chore, and she comes toddling out, uh, sort of blearily, like, Mom, I think the tooth fairy made a mistake. And she unfolds a hundred dollar <laughs> bill to show to me. The only reason I even have it is that when I do grocery shopping for my mother-in-law sometimes, she will pay me back in hundos because I think she may have mafia connections. She's from South Holland originally. This is not out of the picture. Um, but anyway, so I, I, it was just in the envelope because I was going to take it to a bank teller and, and like deposit it because who the hell just needs a $100 bill sitting cash in their house? And I was like, oh, that is so generous. Wow. <laughs> And David texts me from inside the house because apparently he showed her first and he was working in the office. And he's like, you need to come talk to me. And uh, yeah, so I talked to him and he's like, no, you, you broke this. you got to fix it. Because I had just seen the one and the zero and I was very tired. And so I assumed it was a 10. No, no, it was not. It was not a 10. And he's like, you need to fix this. And I'm like, gosh. So I go downstairs and I'm like, honey, about the tooth fairy. Um, and she's like, mom and just looks at me like, oh, for God's sake. Like, Mom, I know that it was you. 
here, just take it. And like, she gives me the, the $100 bill. And I'm like, I meant to give you a 10, honey. And I just didn't have one. And actually, I'm actually meant to give you a five. And she's like, she's like, it's fine, mom. I'm fine. I don't, I don't need it. Just take it back. And like, she, it was, it was a whole damn thing. So yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so that's what the, that's yes, what the story is that they're going to do. I like it. I like it. Yep. All right. So, Todd, any closing thoughts? I think the thing I can suggest strongly is go out for the geeky thing that you like. Yeah. You know, go support the groups that, you know, feed your squeak, you know, and don't listen to any of the negative people about it. I disagree completely. Okay. Sure. <laughs> also, don't argue with people. <laughs> He's good. He's really, he's really he got, good. You know, he's gonna tap if I need to tap into if I'm not sick or something. Yeah. Joe, any thoughts? Well, you know, first of all, to agree with you, you know, that that's a thing. I'm glad you're having a good time at your first Capricorn. I hope you come back next year. Sure. It's good to see you two together. <laughs> you know, I mean, you're only together as far as I'm concerned in my head. It's right? true. Yeah. Right. It's like it's like your hallucinations made real. Yeah. It's it's pretty cool. And 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 you know. Thank you for both for coming, and and hopefully everybody had a good time. Everybody you talked to, the panels that you guys were on were great, and let's do it again next year. Yeah. Well, no, let's do it at Chi-Town. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I have paid for I my first too. time WorldCon attendee membership. Sweet. Yep. I, I have to uh, submit a budget request to the budget committee within my house. Uh, the, the, budget, CFO, uh, the budget may or may committee not... is, is, is yeah. Yeah. Well, It sounds to me like you need to work something out with the tooth fairy. It's true, yeah. And she's sitting right there, so yeah. you might be able to work with her. Yeah, just you saying. Like, just go bust me a few teeth and, and I'll hook you up. Yeah, we've never been to Chicago before. It's just been awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. It's a great city. Certainly end of August will yield a much more clement Chicago experience than our current 19 degrees. Yeah, yeah. it'll like easily be 24. Kind yeah. of. Yeah, kind of. I, I would love to come back when, you know, I could go see the the various places. You could see. You could go you on the museum campus. Or Soldiers Field, Wrigley. Yeah, come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Museum. That, 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 uh, okay. That park downtown that has that thing that looks like a drop of mercury is a oh, statue. Oh, the bean. The bean. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Millennium Park. Yes. And it's actually called something else, but everybody calls it the bean, and I can't yeah, remember I, what I, don't, I don't actually know the proper name of that sculpture. I know it about once a month because I read it in the paper. Oh, okay. You know, and then... Yeah. Right. You know. And the Sears Tower. Yes. Ooh, my wife and I are going to try and hit that on Monday. Good. Nice. Monday good. will be a good day. Will nobody be there? Yeah. yeah. That's right. Just trying to not get lost on Lower Wacker again. I mean... The upside of being lost on Lower Wacker is you do get to imagine all of your Christopher Nolan Batman yeah. extra See, fantasies. Yeah. yeah, that's right. See, I can't be on Lower Wacker because then the music starts. Dun, <laughs> dun, 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 dun. You know. Absolutely. All right, I think we're done. I Thank think you very we're much. Good. Thank yeah. you very much. Oh, totally welcome. Thanks for spending time with us. So, I'm here at Capricorn, uh, Capricorn 42, with Jason, who's one of our patrons, and uh, we've been hanging out. 
yeah. this weekend. You know, we keep running into each other, and mm -hmm. you, me, Tracy, and Todd, all yeah. you know, running around. Uh, I'm curious, how's your how's your con experience? Is this the first in-person con you've been to in a while? Uh, no, I went to WindyCon uh, right, three months did. ago, yep. and it was a well. They didn't have as many people there, but it was still at the same hotel. Um, things are a bit different there, but it feels like that this convention has more people to it. Maybe because it's, it is three months later and people aren't as worried about things. Or it could be the location because this is a new hotel. Sure. And it's, for some people, I'm sure it's easier for them to get here. Uh -huh. Some people may not, may not so much. But yeah, it's, uh, this is the second in-person, well, including gaming conventions, I was at one um, after Thanksgiving and one just a couple weeks ago. Okay. So, yeah. But you're enjoying it? Yes, I am. Yeah? I've been enjoying it. You've been on panels? Yes, I just finished my third and last panel of convention, uh, Random Topics. Uh, one of the questions, to Random Topics were, well, they asked about podcasts, so I make sure to mention the functional nerds. Nice. Yeah. We'll make sure the check clears. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you said the random panel topic, they, they brought in 20 things in the 20-sided die? A virtual 20-sided die, yes. Okay. One of the t panel topics was, how would you nerf a Jedi? I kind of came across that one by accident because we were talking about crossovers and I asked if you had a Star, Star Trek transporter in the Star Wars universe, would the biofilters kill the midichlorians? Uh, that way you can end a Jedi's career with just one beam out. Mm -hmm. You don't think that they would have a Heisenberg compensator for midichlorians? It depends on if they would consider the midichlorians disease or not. Well, no, the Heisenberg compensator was the whole thing where you can't know where everything is in the right. body at the same time. Oh, yes. So I was thinking they would have something like that for midichlorians. Possibly. I don't know. That's getting yeah. a little nerdy. Yeah. Even for us. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I just thought it was an interesting idea because I did read a fanfic where Q brought over the Enterprise into the Star Wars universe and gave the Rebellion basically a transporter tech and uh, better transporters uh, technology <laughs> and some other things. and. It made a very big difference, especially since apparently transporters can go through Imperial shields. Ah, that would, that would be, mm -hmm. yeah, that'd be a big deal. But, you know, I mean, if we want to go down this road, the, the shield technology in Star Wars seems inconsistent. Yes, it does. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's like Stormtrooper armor. It's effective when Lucas needs it to be, and mm -hmm. when he needs it to be, not effective it's right. not effective right you know it's, it's plot armor and the distance between stars how long it takes to go from one star system to another yeah. you know the running gag in the role-playing my role-playing group about it is that it, you're as fast as the speed of plot <laughs> and, <laughs> i was just thinking you know how easy it is to one shot a stormtrooper yeah well it's like what the point what's the point of the armor I've never understood. Well, I've never. If you yeah, in the in the movies, yes, it's one thing. In the game, in the role playing game I play, I think it may be a little bit harder. You have to get lucky with the dice, and you have to do aiming, and maybe if you had a, a big gun, it's possible to do it. But there's also the point of their minions, so they're supposed to go down easily. <laughs> the red shirts, essentially. Yeah. So, uh, what do you think has been the highlight of your con experience? Oh, the highlight. When I did the panel about the found family, okay, and when it fails, because it's I came up with the panel idea and proposed it, moderated it, because I'm not 
I know I can't be the only person who has had bad experiences with the found family concept, either through a gaming group or just a circle of friends that you've known for ages and then suddenly things turn sour. And I wanted to give this an opportunity for other people to, you know, to talk it out. And I think there are some people who, I think we help them. You know, That's kind good. of come to some decisions about that. And, you know, help myself too, because I was in that situation. I, I'm still mentally recovering from some sure. of that because I had a big emotional investment in a group. I've been with them for 15 years and they weren't, some people weren't that good in the beginning and they only got worse with time and finally I had to say enough. And it's, it can affect you. Yeah, in absolutely. Ways. Yeah, because you have to protect yourself. You have, mm -hmm. to, you, have to, you have to be able to recognize yeah. that this is a bad situation and you get out. Yeah, and you've got to realize that you know you are worthy of being loved and respected by by people as well. Yeah, you know? absolutely. So, uh, Jason, I, I'm I'm just curious, you know, as as far as Capricorn itself, I know this is a different convention than Capricorn has been in, in other years. You know, this is a new hotel. Uh, there's not as many people here. No, there no. Has that impacted your con experience at all, or? or? Um. Like, are I there think people it, well, that just you're missing the hotel. that are here? Yeah, there are some people who weren't able to make it. Uh, some dealers who weren't able to do it because it didn't work out for them in trying to get a lot of their stuff here. And plus, I think the people who make the t-shirts, uh, they retired uh, last year, so they're not here. Okay. But yeah, there's a few regulars who weren't able to show up for whatever reason. The layout of the hotel meant there is a whole lot of walking so I've been more tired. I think other people have too. It's, yeah, there hasn't been as many parties. Not that I really go to them, but I noticed there weren't as many, and I'm just more exhausted, I think. <laughs> sure. I think when I go home, you know, it's going to be time to get a cup of tea, sit down, and just rest for a day or two. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. Nope, absolutely <laughs> nothing. Have, have, the, have the COVID protocols made you feel safe? Yes, uh, most of the people have been following them. I don't like using absolutes. I don't want to say everyone because there may be one or two people out there, but I think Illinois overall has been pretty good about following the COVID protocols, and I think it shows in our numbers. You know, we are getting better more than other states who you know, decide they don't have to do that. Was there, was there anyone in particular that you were really looking forward to seeing and then when you found out that they couldn't get here because they were, for uh, some reason, like there was a few people that, that, that couldn't get here even though they were scheduled to be right. here. Like, is there anybody like that? Uh, there's, yes, one of the filters, uh, Jen Midrift. I got one of her CDs. I was hoping that she'd be able to autograph it. But uh, she wasn't able to show up, I think because of the snowstorms that were happening last yeah. week. There was, a, there was a lot of people who were in Ohio who got hit with snow and were un completely unable to travel. Yeah, there are a lot of last-minute schedule changes. Yep. And have you been following the Discord? No. I don't. I don't really yeah. use that either. But it's interesting uh, that that is such a. I a do big it at home, it. but it's like, by the time I'm done with everything for the day, I just want to unwind. And going sure. back to the Discord for the convention on my Chromebook, just seems to. Not, I. I'm. I was done. You know. Sure. <laughs> when I get home, I'll probably go on the Discord and see what's happening. I'll stay with the Discord for a while. It's a good tool, it's been great in a lot of ways and good to talk with people. But you know, when you're done for the day, you're done for the day, sure. no matter how much fun it may be. Have you been able to sample any of the food around here? 
Uh, yes, I pointed a lot of people to the Irish pub that's just outside the restaurant. If uh, you hurry, you can get there without your coat on. <laughs> that was good. I also tried a place that was featured on Chicago's Best. It's well, it's it was canceled last year, but it was a show that featured a lot of Chicago's best restaurants. And I, find, you know, you see like guys, diners, drive-ins, and dives, yeah, and something yeah, yeah. like that. And I've never been able to go to a restaurant featured on one of those shows yeah. until now. So that nice. was nice to do. Yeah, I mean, it, it was good. It's called uh, Robert's Pizza. It was good pizza, a little pricey, but at least I can say I went there. Sure. That, I think that's, that's the important thing. Well, that's awesome. It sounds like you had a great time. I did, yes. Well, good. Uh, hopefully, we will see you at ShyCon. Yes, I'm wondering. Only thing is, this is a four-day convention, and I started feeling homesick kind of earlier on. So I am, you know, and ShyCon is five days. I have my ticket, but I may decide to donate it to someone else. Okay. I don't want the ticket to go to waste, of course. I'd rather, you know, have someone. There's, they have a charity for underprivileged fans. Sure. And a way for them to come to these conventions that they may not be able to come to otherwise. And I would like to give my ticket to that if I don't decide to come myself. I think the real test is going to be how well I can take staying at, you know, how long it takes me to recover from this convention and sure. if I can actually do another two days. Sure. I completely understand. Yeah. Well, I hope that you will come to the idea of coming to ShyCon and just hanging yes. out and, and doing the best you can. You know, you don't have to stay the whole time. No, no. You can come for a couple days or you can come for one day and go home and then yeah. come back for another day. I would at least like to come because this is the second time that I know that it's been in Chicago, so yep. I think it's, I would like to at least say that I, come to say that I went. And I was here for the last one, so okay. uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to come again for the next one. Okay, that's great. All right, well, uh, Jason, thanks for being a great listener and for hanging out with us this weekend. Mm -hmm. It was so nice to see you. Same here, thank you. And uh, we really appreciate you. Mm -hmm. So we're sitting here at Capricorn, it's Capricorn 42 in Chicago. I'm, I'm with Gary K. Wolf, who is part of the Cood Street podcast, which just won a Hugo. Congratulations. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Uh, that was what Sean was joking about. You and I have won Hugos for podcasting, and he hasn't. Uh, I know. <laughs> so Sean and I have a fake rivalry uh, that we have uh, personified at Tom's, and so we play off each other, and it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun, yeah. Um, <laughs> so uh, is, this, is this your first in-person con since the COVID times? Um, no, it's not. Okay. There was, uh, I went to Worldcon. Uh, in D.C.? In, in, in D.C., okay. yeah. Uh, which felt very much like a normal Worldcon, despite the various problems with it. And before that, the International, ICFA, the International Conference on the Fantastic, had a little miniature con, mostly just to reestablish our relationship with the hotel in Orlando, and we did that in October. There probably were more than 50 or 60 people at that one, though. Okay. And before that, the last thing I'd been at was, I guess, the World Fantasy in L.A. in 2019. Okay. So ICFA is usually a smaller con anyway, though, isn't well, it's it? It's usually only about three to 500. Yeah. Uh, because it's largely an academic con. It's essentially academics and writers, and actually very few fans show up as fans. Out of, over the years, it's gotten a, rep a reputation of being just a lot of fun for writers. So I'll be honest that the, the only reason I even know about ICFA is Karen Burnham. Well, yeah. And Karen's been she talks writer. about it all the time. But the writers who've been there keep coming back, and we keep getting a group of younger writers, not because they want to hear the academic panels. They, they show up, they give a reading, and then they do what the rest of us do. We hang out around the pool. Uh, and it's a really nice pool bar, and they make really good frozen margaritas. <laughs> 
So, you know, we talk about the COVID times all the time. How do you feel about conventions now that we're doing the masks and we're, you know, we're being very careful? Is it, do you feel like it's a more muted experience? Yeah, I think it is. I think one of the things that's a permanent change is that the masks, not the masks, the masks may go away. But the idea of a convention being at least partially virtual is not going to go away because one of the things we discovered at ICFA and I think Worldcon discovered is that COVID or no COVID, there are a lot of people who don't have the funds or the yes. geography to be able to come. And uh, at ICFA, there's, it's an international conference. And you have graduate students who have no money to go, but they can participate virtually. You have people in India or Pakistan or uh, Lagos who can't afford to come. Uh, and that part of the convention, I think, is going to become a permanent part of it. The problem is that's going to draw some attendance away from the physical in-person conventions. Yeah. And I don't know how that's going to affect things in the long run. It's an interesting point, something that Tracy and I have talked about as well, because I see it as an accessibility Yeah, it thing. is. It, it makes it more open. More people, and you can attend conventions that you would not normally attend because they're not in your area. It's right. not your local club. You can, you can you know, connect via Zoom to a convention in New Zealand if you wanted to. Right. And, and I think that just opens it up and it kind of makes the community feel more connected. I think the technology will improve though, because when I first heard about virtual components to a convention, and the discussion started way before COVID, uh, I was thinking that, okay, everything in the convention, all the actual uh, panels would somehow be made available online and people could participate. Instead, what we have is a two-track convention that's happening here too. It happened at Worldcon, uh, where you have a room designated for a, a panel this just happened to me in Worldcon, it almost happened to me here. You go to the room and you find out the room is nothing but a TV set and a bunch of people in the audience, and then you have to go back to your hotel room and log into your computer to be on the panel. Yeah. Now, the idea of two completely separate tracks, one virtual and one in person, seems primitive to me compared to what we ought to be able to do. Which is just basically streaming the panel. Streaming everything. Yeah. And, and now I can see from the convention point of view, they may not want to do that in order to try to encourage people to come right. and physically be in the room. But I I think that you're right. I, I would like it to go the other way. I think every panel should be streaming. Yeah. So anybody can access it. And, and I th yeah, and, and I think that uh, as, as, as effective as a virtual discussion can be, it's not being at a con. I think 90% uh, of why I go to a con is to hang out with friends at the bar, to yeah. see a new city or to meet new people and that sort of thing. That doesn't happen online. Right. And I don't think that, uh, in the long run, the attendance would be damaged by that. I've been to I've been to three in-person cons recently: uh -huh. Mile High Con in Denver, Cosine in Colorado Springs, and now Capricorn. Mm -hmm. And I will tell you that at all three, there was no bar. Really? There was no hangout. And there was no bar at the Worldcon in D.C. either. And I don't understand it. Like this bar here was dead. Yeah. There was nobody in this bar. The bar at Cosine, the hotel actually closed the bar, so there wow. was no bar. So that was gone. And Mile Highcon moved to a new hotel, and I don't believe they had a bar con either. Hmm. So that, that's a very interesting casualty of the COVID times, in my opinion, because that has been a big deal. It's like, there's always a con bar. Right. You hear where the con bar is, you go, you hang out, you chat, you talk. And a, and a substantial amount of the hotel's profit came from those bars. Yeah. So shutting them down, I'm sure, for, for health reasons, that probably will go away. I mean, also, I've talked to people in hotels, and 
depending on the crowd. If it's a crowd largely of writers, the bar is going to get a lot of use. Yeah. If it's mostly fans, maybe not. Uh, so uh, we'll I, have to wait and see what I've happens. I've always done at Mile High Con a mixer, mm. where you know we invite all the authors to come and mix the network, and fans can come too. Yeah. And I always tell the fans, I said, if you want to strike up a conversation with your favorite author, the easiest way to do that is to say, may I buy you a drink? Right. Nine times out of ten, they're going to say absolutely, and they'll sit down and have a mm -hmm. conversation with you because that's that's just yeah. part of it, part of the culture. Now, you, you said that you you've only been two days here. Right. In those two days, though, how was your fun experience? Did you did you enjoy yourself? It was fine. I had a good time. There were I mean, obviously a lot of people who couldn't come at the last minute. Uh, we had the problem with Capulinti and COVID. We had weather problems and so forth. I had a problem. I had to be at home with. My sense is. It's a very small convention in a very large hotel, so it seems more spread out. But once you found the area, I thought the dealer's room was fine. Uh, and uh, the panels I've been on have been intelligent and friendly. Uh, not a lot of people trying to lecture everybody. I was on three or four panels and nobody stood up at the end and said, not so much a question, but a comment, and it's in three parts. <laughs> so by and large, it seems to be a very convivial group of people. Yeah. Uh, I did ask you how many books you read in a year. You didn't answer. I don't know. I never counted up. Like, <laughs> I review, let me think, I review 60 to 12 times. I probably review about 60 to 70 and maybe read 10 more than that. That's a lot of books in a year. Uh, it is, but I, my, my problem, and maybe yours too, is finding time to read stuff that I don't have to read. I mean, I have to read stuff for deadlines. I have to review stuff. I don't. I can quit reviewing, but... So every once in a while, I'll just go out and buy a Carl Hyacin novel because it's fun. Sure. I, I found that in, in the COVID times, it was harder for me to read hmm. than outside the COVID times. It's like because you're always in your house and you're not... I, I don't know what it is. There's just this... I never, never had that problem particularly at all. I mean, there was... Uh, partly because the past month or so, it's been bad weather here in Chicago anyway. Sure. You don't go outside anyway. But yeah, I do miss being able to sit out in the sun and read. That kind of slowed things down during that worst summer of COVID during 2020. Well, I did a lot of audiobooks, and I did mm -hmm. them on my commute, mm -hmm. and my commute went away. That's what I've heard. And I, I, I want to say I did 100 audiobooks one year, when, in like a peak year. But I also burned through a lot of kind of pulpy, short, fictiony kind of yeah, uh, military sci-fi stuff, because I just... I got into it for a little while with Tanya Huff. Mm -hmm. Gail Carriger had recommended Tanya Huff and the Valor series, I think is what it's called. And those were like popcorn. Hmm. You know, it's like you just you just keep eating yeah. and, and you burn through them and then you want to find some other stuff and you find Elizabeth Moon and you go through. And so I did, I think that was like the height of my reading two or three years ago. It was like 100 audiobooks in a year. Um, but yeah, since COVID, it's been really hard. Huh. It's so hard. It's funny, one of the things we found out about the podcast, you mentioned the commute, is that for a while our listenership went down. Yeah. And it went down because people were listening on the commute or they were listening when they were out running or they, and people just stopped doing those things, which is where I, and I heard that actually the ebook e market shrank a little bit because there were so many fewer commuters. Well, I know that, at least for the Functional Nerds listeners, the ones who have stuck with us say that like we're the highlight of the week. Mm -hmm. So I think that, that a lot of podcasts get that now. It's like the podcast is the highlight of the week. It could I, be. I listen to you when I'm folding laundry right. or when I'm cooking dinner for the kids or, you know, so on and so forth. 
Because you guys have been going almost as long as we have, if not as long. We started in, oh no, we started in 2010, so we've been going 11 years this So yeah, month. I mean, we're, we're right, right in about there. at the same time. How do you keep it going? Like, like... Just because there are always new people. There are always, I mean, we, a lot of the response we get is because Jonathan and I both get books usually well in advance of publication. So a lot of people like to pick up reading recommendations from them. Sure. We like to have uh, new people on. We like to, you know, there are always interesting new writers coming along. Like five years ago, nobody would have thought about talking to Pete Jelly Clark, for example. Who's we just had him on. Terrific, yeah. Yeah. Terrific guy. And there, do people still come up to you and ask you what you're drinking? Yeah, a little bit. Because <laughs> <laughs> right now you aren't drinking anything, so. I know. It feels abnormal to be talking like this. <laughs> well, I told you it was going to be respectful this time. I, I really appreciate it. Why don't you tell people uh, Cooch Street Podcast is. You, you want people to follow you? Or Coot, follow I, I, it? You know, it, some, it very well may be a cootstreet.com. I don't even know. Uh, <laughs> it's it's on. Well, like I say, it's it, it's on iTunes. It's on any podcast platform. But I, I, people need to know it's C O O D E. And the one question I don't get as much as I would expect is, what is Cood Street? And the answer is, it's some street that used to have a coffee shop that Jonathan liked in Perth. Yeah. So there's no connection other than that. It was, it was kind of a joke name, and then, then we were locked into it. Then suddenly we got a, a Hugo nomination, and we thought, can't change it now. <laughs> well, and I, I, think I, uh, I think you and Tracy got the better end of the deal, because you guys just show up. Jonathan and I do all the work. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> Jonathan does everything. So. so that's awesome. Well, thank you for sitting right, down with thanks. Me. we got to get home. And... Oof, oh, my God. This has got to be after... After all those interviews, this has got to be one of our longest episodes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So yeah. like when the runtime on this is okay, I'm not even I'm not even gonna try quoting numbers here because I'm bad at numbers. Uh and they scare me. And so uh but I will say that there's uh other things coming up. So if you thought that was sort of fun and getting a chance to listen to us in like together in real space with lots of different people, we may be able to swing this again with Worldcon. Yes. Because Worldcon yeah. is also going to be in Chicago, apparently across the river in mm -hmm. a different hotel. Yeah. And uh, we both got our attending memberships. And now it's just on the people listening uh, to, to basically nominate us for our Hugo. So that I'll go. It's true. Like I, I, um, I mean, not to put any undue pressure on you, dear fans, but uh, it is it is one of the first weeks of school that Worldcon is going on, and and my employer would probably not be delighted at me attending unless I were attending as a nominee. So I'm just saying, if, if any part of you says my life would be less full and less rich if I did not have a Worldcon special of the Functional Nerds, then I can tell you how to make that happen. I can. Yeah. Just two little words on a little ballot. You know, it's it's funny because there uh, Sean Duke was there from Skiffy and Fanty. Yes. And yeah. we we talked about this this whole thing. And and it, it's just it it makes it that much huger of a thing, even just to be nominated, right? Oh, it it's, is. It's just, like, it's, it's huge. It's like an accomplishment just to be nominated and, and, and it's thrilling. And I, I really want you to experience that because we've been doing this for a really long time. I mean, the functional nerd has been around for 10 years or 11 at this point. And you have put a lot of work into the last couple of years and booking some just fantastic guests. And, and I know that on your Twitter, 
you linked to a bunch of episodes just to kind of show people here, here's, here's what we're eligible for. Like listen to these wonderful episodes that we did. And uh, I agree. I think, I think people should go listen to those episodes and then pull out their nomination form and put our name down. Yeah. So we would, um, we, we of course will be happy to see you uh, yeah. at Worldcon. I'll be, I'll be happy to see Patrick there. And um, yeah. So we really just, hoping to make the best of it here. So thanks for another fun week of functional nerds. I, before we go, I'm going to throw out one yeah. last thing. So the last thing I did at Capricorn, I stayed yes. until Monday. Right. Mm-hmm. And then, and then I flew out, but I yeah, was you sitting up shop. They left you with the bar tab and the whole thing. didn't Yeah. They? I yeah. was sitting there and you know where I'm talking about the, so there was the bar and then there was the little high tops by the window and outside the window, you could see the river and then the river walk on both sides. Ooh, did you get the fireboat again? I didn't get the fireboat, but oh. as I'm sitting there eating breakfast and drinking my coffee, I'm looking out across the river and on the other side, there was a dog and the dog's owner and the dog was having a ridiculous amount of fun playing in the snow. Oh, it dogs just, in snow are good. Yes, the dog was doing the thing, right? It's yeah. the it's oh, yeah. the running with abandon. It's the mm-hmm. just diving into the snow, spinning oh, like around, reaching like a whale up out of it. Yeah. Spinning oh, yeah. around on the back, paws up in the air, twisting back and forth, just having so much fun. That was my last impression of Chicago <laughs> before I got on the plane. And it oh, was wonderful. So pure. Yeah, it that's was wonderful. Good. So I, I really enjoyed it. I hope everybody enjoyed listening to this and, and to Tracy's point, you know, we'll see you next time. We've got a couple episodes in the can for you. And just like that, it's February. And time for yet another new bumper. Giles and Michelle over at Beyond the Trope should be scratching their ears and wondering who's been talking about them. It's me, by the way. I've been talking them up here and other places like Capricorn. Why? Because they have a pretty nifty podcast. They talk to authors and artists just like we do and release episodes on Tuesdays just like we do. So... If you subscribe to both our podcasts, it's like getting a double feature every week. And who doesn't love a double feature? Aliens bent on domination. That's who. Don't be like aliens bent on domination who hate double features. Visit beyondthetrope.com today and subscribe. In other news, as previously mentioned, Tracy and I had a lot of fun at Capricorn 42, especially spending time with a couple of our patrons. Todd and Jason. Neither brought me a cannoli, but neither did Cannoli Joe, though he does get credit for walking with me in the snow to a place where I could get a cannoli. Both Todd and Jason also tend to join us for our monthly hangouts, which you could also do if you were a patron. Those hangouts are a lot of fun, and we tend to talk about extra nerdy things. It's as close to the green room for the show as you can get without, you know, actually being in the green room. We also have a Facebook page where patrons talk. There's stuff. So check out patreon.com functionalnerds for more information about becoming a backer. Next up for us is probably ShyCon, the Worldcon in September in Chicago, but we'll talk about that later. What I want to know right now, do you spell cannoli with one N or two? 
Mr. Carpiers. You got it right. How about that? Yeah. You can call me Cannoli Joe. <laughs> okay. That's probably a good enough signal. <laughs>